to the Y Hockey Periodical Podcast. With me, returning, is Matthew Lichtenstadter. Took a couple t- couple podcasts off. We got the other Matt, Matt O'Brien back in. But uh, I got to say, it's great having you back as well. I like some diversity. I'm a big uh, diversity guy. So what are your thoughts on uh, what's going on in the NHL? What do you want to talk about off the hop? I'm proud you stand for LGBT equality, sir. I definitely do. I 100% do. Very good. You've done more than the NHL has ever done in that regard. Anyway, before I go too down, far too down that rabbit hole, uh, what do you want to talk about? Hmm, I don't know. I was just listening to the 31 Thoughts podcast, talking with Brian Boyle, and that was interesting. Brian Boyle's a good player, good guy. <laughs> Let's start. Well, if, if we're going to start with Brian Boyle, uh, we'll start with William Nylander then. Because uh, yeah, yeah, we don't have to talk too much about it. Let's just, you know, do the obligatory William Nylander stuff and uh, get in, get out. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. I thought this is the most hockey podcast. We have to talk about the fact that Josh Levo was traded for 20 minutes. Uh, you know, this could eventually turn into a Leafs podcast with... Um, well, it, might, it, may, it might. So, I mean, depending, that, that's where our allegiances may be going. If, uh, well, we things... do know somebody that works for the Leafs organization. I mean, the Leafs organization works. I mean, we it can use it that way. Like, they, they do work. There's a reason people go to work every day because there's obvious changes and things being made. But yeah. Well, well, you know, most people would have jumped off that bandwagon if, after that five minutes of death, William Nylander hadn't signed. I'll get, I'll say this: I think Kyle Dubas and William Nylander both did what they needed to do. I don't know what the real story is or behind the story. You know, I'm not. I don't even want to get into it about you know who had the bigger set of balls and who was right or who you know was being a baby or whatever um i'm pro exercising their contractually negotiated rights yeah and at the end of the day i think um you know anybody who's ever had to negotiate or um sit in a room and look somebody in the eye and say how much they're worth and put a dollar amount to it and and stand up for themselves i think knows exactly what william nylander was trying to do Uh, obviously it's it's a different scale it's a different pay scale um but He's my favorite player outside Barkov and Giroux, outside you know Panthers and 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 Flyers. He's he's the guy that I like to watch play hockey. Just whether he's doing good, whether he's doing bad, whether he's winning, losing, even if he's on Toronto, I, I just like watching him play. And so, with how bad this first half of the or it feels like a half, holy shit, um, the first okay. quarter. The first quarter of the year has gone, you know, seeing William Nylander back on the ice um, and with the chance to do something deep in the playoffs um, is I would have, I probably would have just turned off the TV the rest of the season uh, besides abs games. If if Nylander, I mean, that's the state of being a Flyers and a Panthers fan right now is trying to forget hockey is existing in the moment. Well, try to because, add in the Jacksonville Jaguars and Tottenham Hotspur after the North London Derby and the New York Mets to your equation. I mean, yeah, I mean, I could keep naming sports. I mean, I, I feel like the Panthers fans, I mean, they're, they're Dolphins fans, they're Heat fans. I mean, they got Dwayne Wade running into Barkov in, in the stands, Is right? that not a, 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 a symbol of everything that's going on in South Florida sports right now? All you need would be to him to then run into Ryan Tannehill, who then tears his ACL. I love that Miami Dolphins fans have like always thought that like Ryan Tannehill is like a thing and like you know it's just uh, well, I, I feel bad. For, this is South Florida sports. For, for, 
Yeah, I mean, I, th- I feel bad for people who are four for four South Florida sports. If and, like, do the whole college Florida, thing. And you also root for the University of Miami, who had a terrible year, by the way, in football, and just lost to Yale in basketball. Uh, I will give you kudos. I Your always team. complain. I complain <laughs> about the teams I root for because they're very, very bad. And my college football team is also a dysfunctional viper pit. Please look that up if you don't know what I'm talking about. I don't want to spend any more time on it than I have to. But, yeah, if you, if you go five for five in South Florida, then kudos. But also, as everyone says, in South Florida, there are a bunch of other things you can do besides rooting for bad sports teams. Which makes it really funny that every sports team in South Florida is dysfunctional and terrible. And then you'll add David Beckham into Miami's Pink Flamingos, which will make it six for six. Well... We'll see which uh, which washed up Euro stars they get over that just completely dominate a shitty MLS league. But uh, MLS is a better league now than you might think. Well, I watch it. And I, don't I think... watch it religiously. I I, uh, I don't want to speak too much about the MLS. Uh, I don't yes, know. Yes, you call it the MLS, sir. Well, until they start acting like a like a football organization uh, league and series instead of a soccer league in the series uh also I'll, I'll call them the mls because that's what they like to be called uh, they're weird they're yeah, terrible you are weird you are weird okay well, uh, all right well william nylander non-sequitur podcast has returned six years 7.5 million cap hit prorated in years two through six at 6.98 or as we'll just call it nice um, yeah, did he do that on purpose? If he did that on purpose, he will become my favorite player in the NHL. I'll, I'll say Dubas is young enough. It could have been him. It could have been him. And if it was Kyle Dubas, then again, how could you not love Kyle Dubas? But at least you're old sports writers in Toronto, and then in which case your friend didn't get a job. Dubas gave in. I mean, he he gave in a little with the signing bonuses, with um, how. And, and you you feel like they really wanted to keep it under six five that cap hit, and so you know I think Dubas and the Leafs gave more than most teams, or were willing to tolerate, be patient, and be and empathize with Nylander more than most hockey teams would be. I think that's good. I think William Nylander left a lot of money on the table. I mean, six years at six point nine million uh, cap it or seven five or whatever. Um, that's probably borderline of what he wanted to take that was probably bottom and i may be biased because like i said he's my third favorite player in the nhl but i think he is a top right winger in the nhl already and he's good for 70 points you know give or take on luck and, and health and stuff every year and um if people forget that matthews wasn't so hot to start this year without Nylander because of how great Marner and Tavares have been and then Matthew's injury and everything. Toronto fans do not understand what William Nylander brings to the team in the same way that Panthers fans don't understand what Shirudo brings to the team. Um, I can, I can see that. That there's just a lot of small playmaking stuff that they do from the wings that wingers aren't supposed to do. And... Um, you know, it's, I think it's something that, yes, because of how high-end and risky they play, that their defense gets knocked. But I think, you know, especially with Huberto and Nylander, you're starting to see more of it. it it's, a, it's a maturity thing, and 
you know, by Nylander's mid to late 20s, he's going to be fine in defensive end, and Huberto's going to be a regular Marion Hosa, so it's not going to be a big deal. Well, I want to say this about the Leafs. If this is all that Leafs fans have to complain about, which, let's be honest, really is all that they have to complain about, I think they're going to be all right. I can't, I can't understand why people are like, oh, well, what are they going to do with the cap now? The cap's um, going to go you, up a lot. Well, Nylander was, is never the issue with the cap. No, I mean, Matt, the issue with their cap was, yeah, was that, was Zaitsev, was getting Matt Martin out of here, was, um, yeah, but I mean, Marner is obviously the real one, because of the year Marner's having with Matthews and Nylander not being here, with Tavares being added in, having the instant chemistry and going. I mean, if Tavares isn't here and well, two of their top players... terrible at this point? I, to me, don't you think we're starting something with an eight at least? Maybe more? I think if Marner won't take an eight, that's when you have to do the same thing you did with Nylander. Because I think you can't... Yeah, because why? If, if the, the reason you wouldn't squeeze him is basically because he's Canadian. That that would yeah, be the I was only... I getting a little sick of the selfish stuff to talk about Nylander because yeah. he's Swedish. Yeah, and, and I mean, let's, let's face it. Marner is... I don't think... Um, that much better than Nylander. I think Nylander and Marner are more in the same stratosphere than Marner and Matthews. And I think the cap hits are, at the end of the day are going to reflect that. I think this sets up Marner for 8-9, and I think this sets up Matthews for 10-9, 11-9, or something like that. Um, and I think you, you have to say, you know, and I think they were so hard to get Nylander to do it because they saw what Florida was did. Once Florida got that first deal in, that first really nice deal with Bukestad, everybody started to fall in line. Everybody followed suit. Because that's your boy, Nick Bukestad. And, and Nick Bukestad has, whatever everyone wants to say about on the ice, off the ice in that locker room, Nick Bukestad's a huge, huge personality and everything. Nick Bukestad taking that deal, followed by Huberto and Barkov, that sets the tone. That's why Trocheck comes in well. That's why Matheson does that. I mean, obviously the Matheson deal looks worse now, but um, in the moment we were all stoked about it. I mean, and that's what the Leafs are hoping to do with Nylander. And the biggest thing is getting Marner, the second guy, to say yes, because then you got two. And once and then, you get and then a lot of and you know hockey else. players, you know hockey players, right? It's peer pressure. It's fit in the group. It's all that stuff. So especially with the RFA and and how workers' well, also, rights, especially are because it's Mitch Marner, good old Ontario boy. Right. I mean, I think you know you put it. I, I think Toronto is one of those teams where you can sit down with them and you say, "Listen, this is Toronto. You're never going to be making enough because taxes are always going to be. You're always going to want the highest contract possible. We get that, but you know we're also the Maple Leafs. We also have all these other companies. We can do a lot of stuff off the table." And you sit down and you get them all in the room together and you say, you know, what are you all going to be happy with? And what are you all going to not be looking at each other's paychecks every week? Well, you know? the other thing about the Leafs that they do really well. I mean, they can also get rid of Patrick Marlowe's deal if they want. But the other thing that they do really well is most of their other solid depth players are on either entry level or reasonable contracts. And the thing that the Leafs are probably going to do is be like, eh, these guys are replaceable. And so they'll let somebody else overpay for them, and then they'll just cycle them in and out, which is what you kind of have to do if you want to win a cup, especially I mean, if the top end of your cap is four guys who are above 
what, $8 million, which is what they'll probably have. I think what they're, I mean, I don't want to assume too much or, you know, pretend I, I, I know, but if I was Toronto and, and what I think Toronto is doing is they're doing what Pittsburgh did and, and what Pittsburgh ended up getting to and figuring out um, with Crosby, Malkin, Latang, and Fleury, but doing it at a much deeper level because they're Toronto. So they don't, they're going to have like the three guys, four guys on the team that they'll pay exorbitant amounts of money. They'll do everything to keep, keep happy. And then they're just going to have a bunch of prospects and everything they run through. Unlike Pittsburgh, they're ready for it. They'll have that depth built up so they can keep cycling people through and they'll never go, you know, two whole seasons without being able to find one or, you know, a handful of wingers. That would be the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> and Pittsburgh too, yeah. Well, Pittsburgh I mean, and the Chicago Blackhawks. But, I mean, the Blackhawks did it pretty well for a while and then, then the well ran dry. But, I mean, at this point, you see some of the players that they have and some of their drafts. It's like, it's, it, they're going to be fine. People will, people will hem and haw because it's the Leafs, but they'll be fine. They're, yeah. they're, I don't know how good they're going to be if they play Tampa in the conference final, or the conference semifinals at this rate. Who knows? It's too early to say, but they're, they're fine. They, they were always going to get the Nylander deal done. There was never a way that Nylander was going to sit out the season for that. I mean, and if they did, and if he did, that's really ballsy. I admit that that would have been pretty amazing, but the Leafs, even if they didn't have him, would still be fine. They still are, what, third or second in the East without, with Matthews being hurt and no Nylander. I think they're going to be all right. But because it's Toronto, everybody freaks out. So then we spend 20 minutes talking about Josh Levo getting traded to the Canucks and a minor league trade, but whatever. That's the Leafs. Well, it's better than just waving them because um, at least they got an or, AHL or player from Russia. That's uh, a sensitive subject. Uh, can we? Okay, let's talk about the Flyers first, because then we'll get into the Panthers. Okay. Because that'll be because that'll be a meaty discussion that I have not had a chance to really say my piece on this podcast. If you follow me on Twitter, you know what I think about the Panthers right now. But let's talk about the Flyers. Cause I haven't talked about them enough. Gritty is amazing, and he made a half court shot uh, at Rutgers to celebrate the Scarlet Knights' 50th birthday or whatever. It might not be 50; it might be 30 or 40. And uh, Gritty is instantly the best shooter on Rutgers basketball. So Gritty he also has a better sh- shots than uh, Fultz. So yeah, Gritty is a <laughs> Gritty for Rutgers basketball. That was awesome. Gritty is great. The Flyers are not. So you, I mean, I live outside of Philadelphia. Still, you have a lot of interest in the Flyers. We thought that in many ways, Ron Hextall was doing a good job. I thought he was doing a good job. They were starting to really clear out the cap. But what happened is, if you're too patient, we almost got to Carolina syndrome where they got a little bit too patient you know where they they played it long too long right because everybody's willing to i think go for the long game for a while right but then you don't see any progress being made and you have a rough start and the flyers under dave haxtell were either really up or really down there was no middle there were no like five game winning streaks and couple game losing streaks that they then end it was either 10 game losing streak or 10 game winning streak there was no middle and that also has to do a lot with the fact that they still can't address the goaltending, even though Carter Hart is the guy. He's just not there yet. You now have a group of people in that front office and a fan base that was like, uh, guys, what are we doing here? 
mainly because the Sixers did the same thing and then they started accelerating the process themselves and now they're pretty dang good and they have Jimmy Butler and Jimmy Butler's happy at least for the time being but give it a few months and then he won't be but for the Flyers they were just I think they waited too long I think they long played themselves into uh I don't want to say death but they long played themselves into any time now guys sound about right to you it sounds familiar. It sounds like uh, a team south that uh, I also follow. Yeah, it sounds you know, like it's, very south of the Mason-Dixon line. I mean, I, Hexel did a lot of great. The, the, the way he handled the cap, um, the way he drafted, especially the drafting, and Chris Pryor went out the door with him, who was uh, a big person in that, uh, was very good. And, and what I mean by very good was I – Definitely disagree with some of the, you know, head-to-head, first round, they should have picked, you know, somebody else instead of Samuel Morin, or I want somebody else instead of Travis Sanheim. But overall, they had so many picks. They picked so, they did, you know, generally so well in every pick, and then they really hit on a lot of picks. When they decided to package some picks and trade up, like in a connecting, it worked. But usually they did the opposite and would trade one pick when the guy or the second guy they wanted on the list wasn't there. They'd just trade a few picks back and get somebody a little deeper down on their list and add another pick. The process was really good, and I loved it. Um, And it netted a lot of really good prospects. But what happens when you you hike prospects at 17, and then they start legally drinking in the U.S., and they still haven't played on the NHL team yet? Then you start um, doubting whether the hype is real. Then you start doubting whether the general manager made the right choice when you see the guys that you wanted instead or you guys thought or you know was in competition for that person in the draft pick in the NHL making a difference for their team that drafted them after you. That you know, whether you're a fan or you're in upper management, that irks you because you're paying attention. I mean, there's a lot of Florida Panthers fans that don't really know who the Panthers could have drafted instead of Lawson Krause and don't know where they are in the other in other teams and stuff, you know? That's not the case in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is always painfully aware of everything. And um you know, I think Hextall went three seasons without addressing the goaltenders, went three seasons without addressing um the coaching issues. Uh, some people believe it's because he stuck up for Hackstall and wouldn't fire him. Um, other people believe it's because he was too involved in the coaching and wouldn't let Hackstall actually coach. He was doing too much of the pairings and the systems and all that stuff. Well, so, hey, didn't we see that before? Yes. Um, sounds familiar. Again, like I said, this, this all sounds familiar, and I'm just – I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if it's me, if it's – I just naturally pick teams that – it go this way or if the hockey gods are following me um around what did you do in a past life i think is the other question we have i was apparently claude lemieux in a past life (laughs) you might have been jeez this is not fair this is not fair um but i mean i have to was i think really like like you said he was a 10 game win streak 10 game lose streak jam he was really good at a lot of stuff, and he was pretty bad at a lot of stuff, and it ended up just being consistently mediocre. Because what happens when everything cancels us out? You get meh. Yeah, and, and that's what happens. you can be in any sports league that has drafts is meh. This isn't a league where relegation exists. Maybe and, it should. 
and with the podcast with with O'Brien, me and O'Brien said that this was the right time to do it if you're going to make the move because the off season coming up is so important for the Flyers. You can't give someone 30, 40 days to get up to speed and execute. You need to give them months. You need to, to give them a long runway to onboard and, and get ready. And and they were able to do that. But I think what we're learning now is there was other reasons it was a good move too. Uh, Riley Cote, who was a former Flyers enforcer, who was yes. so well-liked that as soon as he retired, they retired to get him out of his NHL contract. They gave him an assistant coaching spot in, in with the Phantoms in the AHL. And the guys loved him. He was really great. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what he does. He's not in coaching, but he's definitely in the Flyers organization. Uh, he has a Flyers at some point. You're probably in the Flyers organization. Yeah, but he actually has turned into a great players advocate on the medical side. Uh, he runs a hemp and CBD company in Pennsylvania and has done a lot for getting people and athletes off pain medicine and onto something holistic and uh Natural. not yeah not let, let's just say not addictive and not going to ruin your kidneys or liver and stuff <laughs> so, um uh, not stopped at the canadian border um not opioids <laughs> yes uh, and he forwarded a story from crossing broad uh and said that you know this story from crossing broad from anthony sanfilippo uh, was is exactly what he's heard, what he's seen, what he's experienced, what people he's talked to has experienced. And it detailed how Hackstall was so controlling of everything in the organization to the point of ma- is managing players' schedules day-to-day, on the road, at home, etc. What they eat, if they didn't eat to it, he would like be hard on them. He would confront them and like in front of their teammates and 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 rib them and and that kind of stuff. He was overly involved, micromanaging, doing people's jobs for them, from the business side to like cleaning up the practice rink. You know, like it was it was one of those guys. He was literally he he needed everything to be done his way right, and if you didn't do it, he would literally grab it from you and start doing it. Uh, and that kind of stuff. You can see why, whether he was smart, whether he had the right idea, whether he could have actually got them a cup. Claude Giroux, one of the most um, tenured, highest scoring active players in the league, one of the most well-liked guys in the league, um, wasn't going to deal with it. I mean, this is a guy who didn't deal with Peter Laviolette's dry island, got him removed. Um, you know, like this he wasn't going to deal with, with an over-controlling coach. And either was Wayne Simmons. I mean, what are you going to, and are you going to get rid of Wayne Simmons and Claude Giroux? I mean, Wayne well, Simmons. I might get rid of Wayne Simmons still. Yeah, that's a contract thing. But, it, you know, you're not going to pick Hex, Ron Hextall over Claude Giroux no matter when, how much Hextall is done is a six-game first-round exit. Yeah. I mean, not, like, I mean, Hextall as a player is, is different than Hextall as a general manager. And maybe they choose Hextall the player over Giroux the player. Who knows? But they're not choosing Hextall the manager over Giroux the player. It's just not happening. And we'll see. It. I think Hextall will definitely get a decent shot under Fletcher. But, you know, the rumor is that the Fletcher is the top guy on the list because of his connections to Joel Quinville. Well, he's and- got the job. He, he apparently has the job. And Yeah. So, you know, if it's too... 
bring in Coach Quenville. And there's also rumors that they were interviewing Barry Zito and Steve Greeley, who are assistants in Columbus and Buffalo, respectively. And they were not even just interviewing for the GM job, but since Fletcher was such a front runner, they were apparently having conversations about taking on Lombardi's job because Lombardi's leaving. Oh. Which is somewhat lateral from their current position in Bu- in Buffalo or Columbus, but you know maybe they would like the with the maybe it'd be lateral and title, but they'd have more responsibilities or they'd do more or more you money because it's the yeah. flyers. Right, exactly, and you know, and maybe they just like like what they have gone on. So we'll maybe see how they that... want to live in South Jersey. But I mean, it, one if Chuck Fletcher brings you Joel Quinville. It's 100% worth that high. Yep. If he doesn't bring you Joel Quinville, I still think it's worth the hire because what he was able to do in Minnesota, I think, is the type of consistency you you want to bring the team. I think it's the it's the calm they had with Hacksaw and the patience they had the Hacksaw. But he also could turn up and have a sense of urgency. He could also understand a moment. And, and swing for the fences and go for it. Um, and the uh, I think the you know the biggest knock against Fletcher is, you know, he didn't really do enough with the Wild to get them deeper in the playoffs. But I think they had for the budget they were running with, uh, and for what Minnesota Wild hockey is compared to Minnesota College and Minnesota High School, um, and where the attention is in the fan base, um, you know, they did exactly what they needed to do and. You know, it's not his fault the owners didn't open up the purse strings outside of Suter and Parisi. And it's not like he had a choice with Suter and Parisi. That was ownership's wishes, and he did it. So I think he is the perfect guy for Comcast. He's the perfect guy for the fans with the track record and, and what he's done. Um, but I think realistically, he's probably the best chance at winning a cup next year, which is Comcast's stated goal, win a cup next year. And good luck with that with the Leafs and Lightning ahead of you. Uh, I mean, I'm not worried about the, the Leafs, really, in the playoffs yet. Until they get a better goalie, until they figure a lot of the better defense, until they figure out some of the team playing aspect, they don't rely on skill and, and coaching so much. Um, I'm not really worried about them. Tampa, I'll worry about them. But again, they haven't been able to get over the hump either. So it's like, you know. Yeah, I'm worried about this. Is, this facing, is true, but this seems I'm, to me like a different Lightning team. That you, we say that every year, right? We do, uh, but, you know, you said that every year about the Capitals until it happened, and it's just like, you know, I would be worried about facing Lundqvist in the playoffs, but I'm not really worried about facing Lundqvist in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I guess you can. I guess you could say that. I mean, the Flyers. I mean, I mean the, the Flyers are one goalie away. They're one goalie away. If they get a top ten goalie. Uh, and they add, and they, you know, I think they use the defense that they should be using, which is kind of the same situation with the Florida Panthers. Um, they'll be fine. They'll be winning playoff series and have a shot at the cup over the next few years. And, you know, if they want, winning the cup next year means they got lucky. It didn't mean that they went out and got a great team to win a cup. I mean, because to win a cup, you have to get lucky. You know, if you can get, if you can hang with Toronto and you can hang with Tampa Bay, I wouldn't be worried. I think the then, Capitals to a lesser extent. Yeah, yeah I mean, just just get to that level, uh, and you'll be fine. And yeah. I think Fletcher can get there. Get the what team. are your what are your worries about Fletcher? Like, what, what 
What are you worried? Here's the thing. I think that you look at the way the Wild were constructed coming into this season. Built a lot on, I mean, a lot of it's Parise and Suter. But, you know, some of it was like the, the, the players they have were like, these are all very good players. But there's no, like, wow players. And also, may he, I mean, maybe and now we can see that the expansion draft decisions were good. And, I mean, giving up Dumbo would have been stupid. But there's a lot of other things that happen. I mean, the goaltending, he kind of got lucky with Devin Dubnik. You know, some, of, but a lot of the players for this team were, were pretty good, but not great. You know what I mean? Like, what was the superstar in the Minnesota Wild? You know what I mean? Like, in order to win in this league, you still need a superstar of some kind. And the Wild never had that. They thought they were getting it with Parise and Suter, and they didn't really get that. So they've got a lot of good players. You know, like Charlie Coyle's what's, good. Nita Ryder's good. What star good. power does he have to bring to Philadelphia? I mean, that's well, that's the one thing he doesn't have to do. That's the one thing that was already done. You got Nolan Patrick, you got Claude Giroux, you got JVR, you got Jake Voracek, you got Wayne Simmons. All, it's all you got Ivan Giroux is. Giroux counts. But Giroux's a star. But, Wayne Simmons is a star. In Philadelphia. Here's the thing with the, with the Wild. Nolan That's Patrick's like, going to be a star. Like they have star power. Like they have guys to to win a cup. They have good enough talent that you need to win a cup. Oh, they're not saying that they. Do, I'm not saying that they don't. I'm not saying that they don't. But also, you just looked at how the Wild tough. ended up getting there and then just running out of gas. It's like but the, I mean, Flyers, if, if, the Flyers had that problem. I mean, in recent years too. But like that. Like what I wonder is with the Flyers as they were constructed, they had their one cup run, which was very good. And some of that was the Canadians knocking out the Capitals, let's be fair. Uh, then in other years, they, they kind of ran out of gas. In many ways, they're kind of like the Wild. So can Chuck Fletcher put them over the top? I, I think so. I mean, I don't pay attention that closely to the Wild, but he's had some hits and miss in drafting. You know, like, if you're going to go, I mean, I'd rather go young and bold than retread and bold. And I think Chuck Fletcher could do that, but we'll see again. It also depends on coaching. And I mean, if they get Quenville, that changes some things, but... If the biggest thing you're worried about is, I'm not worried about it. I'm not flying. Well, I mean, like, I don't care. I know, but like, if, you know, getting top end players. The, the the top players of the team are already there. It's it's getting the most out of them, getting them a coach that can get the most out it's of them, also, it's and putting the team around. It, it, it seems easier than it actually is. Getting but... any GM you put in there is going to be do roughly about the same. Like it's a matter of can they wait till Carter Hart? Do they get a decent stopgap until Carter Hart? I think they will, and you know, I because mean, I think the guy who's going to be making the the first couple trades is going to be Holmgren, and you know, he's just going to be he's doing, just going to do whatever uh, the hell he wants. Yeah, and you know, that's not a pleasure thing. Uh, and if it is, I mean, I think this is a good hire. I don't. He's going to be perfect for what they need to do and what they need to add on. And I still think that they come out of it with a new guy, with a Barry Zito, with a Steve Greeley, with somebody coming in as associate general manager to take Lombardi's spot. That is the – if Chuck doesn't work out right away or if, you know – They um, don't win a cup in 2019. Yeah, or, you know, he's or gets a little too old. He goes up. Or, yeah, so I think that they'll have it all taken care of. I'm not worried about it. And at now, least they're doing something. At least they're doing something. Like, and now can, for the main event. At least they're doing something. Okay. Let's let's let. I know you vented about this, so let me. I'll take this decision. Yeah. Let me um. Let me drink some of my Gatorade Ice Punch. Ooh. What flavor? Flavor, flavor Ice Punch. Ooh, flavor okay. you guys probably don't see out there in the wild very often. Do you want to special order that? 
I'm not going to give away my secrets. That's it's. I call it liquid gold for a reason. Oh, all right. I see that. I see that. For me, I just got a Deer Park thing of water. Mm. Well, I'll be all right. As long as, I, as long as I could get a soft pretzel along the side of that. But anyway, let's focus now on the... Oh, the message event. from our sponsors are done. Uh, once the, no, yeah, we don't have any sponsors. The, who's going to sponsor the podcast where we spend... 10 minutes talking about William Nylander, then 20 about the Flyers, and an hour about how the Panthers are awful. Gatorade Ice Punch. Maybe they will. Who knows? If you're going to keep shilling them. Uh, how about we start focusing on things that we have not yet spoken about with the Panthers? And I'm going to speak to this very uncomfortable truth right now. The Panthers are either, in terms of not doing anything, they are either, and we've talked about this off, not on the air, but I've mentioned this on Twitter and I've talked about this with you. We've had conversations in private. The Panthers are either too scared to do something or they don't have the money to do anything. And while I'm not necessarily saying they're broke, it's clear that they don't have the money to make the moves that a team in a similar situation, the Flyers, are able to do. And that is costing them. And there are a lot of reasons for that that we can ascertain. And I did some digging to try to figure some of it out, but I'll start with this. The attendance is bad. We saw what happened with the games last week, you know, Monday against New Jersey and Anaheim. And I think, you know, as we said, South Florida, in Philadelphia, if they don't like the way your team is going, you'll hear yelling and screaming on WIP, but they'll still buy tickets and they're still going to care because it's Philadelphia. In South Florida, people will go to the beach or go to the club. They don't have any reason to care if a team is garbage in perpetuity. It's the same thing with the Marlins. It's the same thing with the Heat as they're going through now. The Dolphins are feeling it. The Miami Hurricanes felt it. This is what's happening with the Panthers, and it's been happening to a higher degree with the Panthers because of where they are and the fact that it's hockey. But the Panthers are so completely irrelevant that the appetite for fans to fly planes over buildings only gets to the point where it has to be such a complete total dumpster fire in an unusual way like it was a couple of years ago for them to say, what the hell are you guys doing? Fix this. You know what I mean? Like, if it's just garden variety bad, which is what the Panthers are pretty much now, it's, eh, we've seen that before. I mean, it took the coach being told to catch a cab and the GM who wasn't actually the GM being put behind the bench and him acting like the GM when he talked at press conferences about players for everybody to say, get this guy out, he's a fraud. And that's what oh. we ended up doing. And right? then also just months of that sucking and then the public spats that happened with ownership and media members outside of all that well, at the same time. So there was a lot. That was, <laughs> there that was, was so lot. unusually bad. Like it was bad in a way that you couldn't take your eye off it, right? It's like the crazy lunatics on Cops. The normal car chases are kind of boring after you've watched a bunch of episodes of Cops. you got to wait for the crazy stuff. It's also like to catch a predator, right? Like, the boring, why don't you have a seat over there, is, you know, kind of there. But then you have to go for the crazies, and then that's when everybody starts paying attention. If you were on Twitter like seven years ago, you would remember everybody live-tweeted episodes of To Catch a Predator. It was one of the most amazing things that ever happened. Uh, missed those days when you could actually get away with that. But now with the Panthers, it's just garden variety bad. They're just bad in a very boring, typical Panthers way. And for that, most fans are just like, oh, really? Again? You could get them to care when everybody's pointing at them and looking at them because of what happened a couple of years ago. You know, that's obvious. But now they're just garden variety suck. So most people are just like, eh, screw it. We've, we've seen this before. 
The difference this year is they were expected to be good as opposed to expected to be trash. And that's where we get into a lot of the decisions that were made. So either, as I said before, they're scared to make a decision because what happened two years ago, now two and a half years ago, is freaking them out. Or they don't have the money to make the decision that they want to make. This is a problem. And you see what happens with the attendance and you're like, okay, I can see why this is happening. You know, they just bought a company. I mean, you can also look at the stock market and see it's going up and down. And their successes, the Panthers owners, are directly tied to the stock market. This is not the Leafs who are owned by Rogers and Bell. This is not the Flyers who are owned by Comcast. You know, this is the Panthers. Their fortunes are directly dictated by more of what goes on outside of hockey. We know that the ownership has cut losses with Panthers. This has been proven. They've said it. But we also know that they've also come out and said that we don't like playing home games in October, November because we lose money on them. And when you saw the attendance for New Jersey and Anaheim, you saw why. There was no one there. You know, this is still a bad team that has certain things that hamstring them that they have done better to work around in recent years, but still hamstring them. And when those things compounded with other factors hit them, you then immediately have a problem. Here's the other thing with the Panthers. Whether it's a combination of fear or whether it's the combination of they don't have money. All of what we have said that they should do, fire assistant coaches, bring up other players. That doesn't take a lot of money to do. And you mentioned something about Jack Capuano, who I think is drawing most of the ire right now from the fan base. And rightfully so, because the defense for the Panthers has been completely garbage. You said, what was it you said about him when we talked a little bit ago? He was on leave, yeah, personally for like two two games, and McFarland was on the D bench. That's right, yeah. So there are things that we don't know necessarily. I do remember that now, right? Capuano's not very good. At least for Paul McFarland, I could say the Panthers' power play works. At least I could say that. With Capuano, I can't say I mean, the defense works. We'll, we'll get there too, but it's not Paul McFarland, I can tell you that. Yeah, well, we can... We can get there. At all it's, like a, it's like eleven taking 11 off the first power play unit was a terrible idea. It kind of was. But <laughs> we have other things that we can say about the team in terms of coaching. And Okay, here's the... The biggest thing, I think, is that Cap, the fans thought Capuano was a bad hire to begin with. Yes. Where, is. where with Bugner... And with McFarland, there was potential. There was this is their first rodeo. I what this team is like with another defensive coach. With any defensive coach, I mean, I in my opinion, they haven't had a defensive coach in years because of the way they've played for who they've hired. I mean, that's one area that they've shirked spending money, defensive coach, and it's shown on the ice. I don't know whether they think like, oh, we put so much money into the defense, the defense has their own coach, or. Luongo's a defensive coach or whatever. I mean, maybe putting Luongo on the bench would be better. Maybe putting anybody, put Eric Joyce on the bench with a with an earpiece up to the booth from Pronger because Pronger with his put Pronger concussion, on the bench. Well, he can't with the lights. So that's what I'm saying. Put somebody in the, oh, that's do a good, point. good point with an earpiece and just you know just put anybody on there with an earpiece. Just Remember saying. Pronger year, we read the story at the start of the year where Chris Pronger had the heart to heart with Aaron Ekblad and it made him better. Yeah, and then who's talking to Aaron Ackley this year? No one, apparently. But, like, I mean, the, the the athletic article this year, Pronger was saying that he basically leaves – he does his shit, and he leaves coaches to coach and all this stuff. Unless players come to him or coaches come to him, he doesn't – he stays out of it. So, that to me, that's a problem. 
because I'd rather have Chris Pronger telling defense what to do than Jack Capuano. See here, see here's the thing. We got, went from the micromanaging by the, go- the coach we just fired. He got outcoached by Gallant in the playoffs. And and but, the, the, the the Islanders hired him, series right? based on complete and total luck. There is no other way to say that. And it's also been proven that Gerard Gallant's a pretty good hockey coach too. And he's, he would be the head coach of the he's Florida an NHL Panthers. level head coach. Yes. Well, and here's the other thing about that, of course. If Dale Talon had his way, Gerard Gallant wouldn't have been fired, but we already hashed over that argument about a billion I mean, podcasts ago. Gerard Gallant, I don't think, and Gerard Gallant, period, end of story, was not going to be the coach to win the Cup in Philadelphia, in Florida. No, but he Dallas, was far better. He, yeah, but I mean, there were still a lot of issues that he was not adjusting to or making things. He would have been fired by now, is, is all I'll say. He would have been fired by now. It was, so I'm, I'm not worried. Maybe. Maybe I wouldn't go a hundred. The biggest yet, thing, I mean, the biggest thing is Jack Capuano was known to be a bad hire. When he came in, what did he say? I want 150 goals from defense. I want 150 points from all my defensemen combined. So yeah, what did they do? So what did they do? They made the offense run through the defense. And since Capuano has been here, the defense has been a mess because the defense jump on the breakout. Whether it's there's a you see in a game a defensive mistake that leads to a breakaway. I'm gonna pick one from a recent game. Buffalo, you saw what happened when they put three and five together, and let's not rehash that argument because it's a terrible decision, everyone knows it. No one liked it, and no one who has said anything on Twitter. You I would disagree a lot with Panthers Twitter on most everything, but they all seem to agree that three and five is bad. You saw it on that first goal where it's like that's a typical defensive mistake between Ekblad and Yandel. That happens all the time. It's a typical defensive mistake. How many times on the power play have you seen these guys make just terrible decisions and it costs them a shorthanded goal or a shorthanded chance? All the time. I mean, and it's... Every single time. And you're just like, you can set your watch to it. It's like, these are things that are not players. They're coaching decisions. And this is why... We all are calling for Capuano. And if they can't fire Bugner, and they, let's be honest, they can't because they don't have the money to. Because he's making a million per a year, and they'd have to eat like $3.75 million to fire him. And there's enough going on in that organization otherwise where they don't have the money to fire Bugner. At least with the forwards, he tries to adjust some of the things that happens some of the time. Now, a lot of his adjustments are bad, but at least he tries to adjust. With Capuano, it took Herculean moving earth and fire to get him to change the defensive pairings. And then eventually, they just went back to it because they needed to jump the offense, which, no, they didn't. The offense was never the problem. This team has terrible five-on-five play recently. And I want to go into something, too. There was an article on Panther Parkway, and friends over there, and it was a good article on how the Panthers are really not that good offensively and how they've sacrificed five-on-five play and how their just immediate puck possession numbers do not signify why they have issues. And it was a really good article. I don't know if you read it, but go back on the, on the Twitters and you can find it. I think Why Hockey retweeted it once or twice. It talks about how the Panthers, and you've said this repeatedly, how where they take shots from is terrible. They take shots from the point. If you've seen some of those hockey viz heat maps, you'll see where their hot areas are. And their blue areas are kind of where you need to be taking shots from. They don't take shots from there. A lot of their shots are what I call empty calorie shots. Or, as it has been seen in recent years, doing what the Carolina Hurricanes have done, they take shots for the sake of shots to boost their core seat. Because it looks really good. 
right? Everybody wants to be this great team in puck possession, but while possession matters, and this is kind of where shot-based possession numbers kind of fall flat, we need to talk about where are those shots being taken from, how are they generated, and I'm not a huge fan of expected goals metrics. I don't think they're great right now in hockey as opposed to where they are in soccer where they're a little bit better and they're more defined because soccer is less of a wide open game of chance. But the Panthers, if you look at their expected goals, they're not outperforming their expected goals and their PDO, it's not like they're going on massive runs where they can't put the puck in the net. They're getting a lot of shots. Their puck possession numbers are pretty good. But if you looked at their high danger chances for or their high danger stuff, it's not very good because they don't take shots from good areas. They take shots from the point. They're in, they shoot the puck from the point, it rattles around the boards, F1 for the other team gets out, and then we And then it. they're in the defensive end for five minutes. And, and then they're in the defensive end for repeat. five minutes. Yep, and that's the problem with the Panthers. So it's like... Because because the other team just doesn't get over the blue line and take a shot and then get the puck and then ring it around the boards to the point to take another shot. And then they, they have zone time. They cycle. Remember when we had Yager and we used to cycle and we used to like run plays, little plays off the boards and give and goes and things like that. Like, do you remember we used to play hockey in the offensive zone? Yep. I Like, do fans forget that? Maybe. But fan, I, and I said this, and some people said it was um, talking down about Panthers fans, but it really wasn't. I think that they're, I mean, I do that enough on my own anyway. I, you know, whatever. If you don't, I, I say what I say. It saying. is okay to disagree with other people about hockey. But it's what fun. I think is Florida Panthers fans are get are at the point where they understand you need to take a certain amount of shots to score a certain amount of goals. That it's a numbers game. However, they haven't, there's a disconnect. They haven't figured out how to improve upon that first nugget. They got to that first nugget of, all right, we we need to take a lot of shots and and have the puck a lot and take a lot of shots to get four or five goals every game. However, they haven't figured out that like 30, 32 shots are all you need. You don't need 40, 45 shots. You, if you have 40, 45, if you have 40, 45 shots, you should be absolutely dominating teams. It, like it should not be 40, 40. It should not be 40, 35. It, you know, it should be like, yeah. When you walk in over the blue line, and you make one pass and take a shot, your goalie moves less. The D move less. When you get in on the, when you get into the offensive zone, and you're moving behind the goal line, the goalie's deep in his stance. He's looking behind him. His knees are getting going to get burned. If you're getting a good forty second shift down there, and then. On the cycle, you change to the next line, and they're hemmed in. That's when the breakdowns happen. That's when you see the Panthers running around. So it makes sense other teams would do that too. That's when you find the holes, and then someone just jumps into the slot, and bam, bam, and you get a shot on goal. And it's a great shot, goalie's opposition, right right through his wickets, right? Like, that's what you do. We, they need more of that. Well, here's what we're going to say. Watch that lightning game again, and we'll talk about this vis-a-vis -vis some other games in a minute. But against Anaheim, they had a lot of shots. But John Gibson's a really good goalie. If you're just going to give him shots from the wall, shots from the point, shots from the high slot, you're not really testing him. And he's used to it by now. He faces a billion shots a game because the Anaheim Ducks are garbage. And yet the Panthers were just throwing shots on him because it'll look good. And they don't take the high danger chances that they need. And then they give up a goal late and they lose a game that was absolutely 100% winnable against the Lightning. 
they had four really good chances. To their credit, they took all of them because Domingue started, he couldn't stop a beach ball. Then they got a five on three, and Huberto put it in a breakaway. But you were watching that game in the first period. The Panthers were getting cycled to death. And that is what you want to see a team do, and the Panthers clearly don't want to do it. And if you were like, okay, they blew a three-goal lead, I was like, I did not expect them to hold that because I didn't expect them to be able to defend the way the Lightning were going to attack the entirety of that game. Now, their equalizing goal was ridiculous because it went in off of Dryden Hunt, and the penalty in overtime was stupid, and I didn't like that. But still, the Panthers what do you mean? It was won stupid. that game. Like, it was stupid of Bertrano to do it. Yes. Yes. Agree. Well, the penalty call was also light because there should have been a call on a play before that. But Right, but if you if the ref's looking right at you, like, if you if you, he, he they were looking at each other. He was looking at the ref. The ref was looking at him. The puck's nowhere there, and he just bumps, and he just drops the guy. He tried to I mean, set like, a pick with a ref looking at him. Yeah, I mean, like, you, you that's, if you've ever played hockey, you know that that's 100% for Toronto's fault. It is. And, that, I mean, and, and again, skinny. there's the disconnect. And again, should. there's the disconnect between a lot of Florida Panthers fans and other people is that they, they will spend so much time thinking that the refs fucked them over on that Toronto call in overtime. But they're not even going to deal with the well, real Bob issue. Well, saying that that goaltender interference call in New Jersey, which was, again, iffy but not great, focusing on it like that's why they lost the game. It was not why you lost the game. You lost the game because of a lot of other things that compounded it. And that's the thing that happens, I see, with a lot of Panthers fans. You see a lot of anger about the refs. And I'm like, I didn't like that call, especially considering there was a play before that should have been called if they were going to call that. But again, I've always said, you got to have some, but if you're going to give a chance for a referee to make a decision, you're just going to make a decision, and that's not going to go your way. But right. again, you we watched that Lightning game. The Panthers had no business being in that game. No, they took no. four chances in the early going in that game. They were opportunistic, and that's good. And they had chances later in the game to put it away, and they didn't do it because Louis Domingue rebounded. And that's that's the difference on this homestand. Let's talk about these games. The Blackhawks game was inexcusable, the way they lost that game. Had it completely in their control. And we've watched the Blackhawks since they played that game. The Blackhawks are a dumpster fire. Complete dumpster fire of garbage. And the Panthers threw that game away. No business losing that game, they did. New Jersey is the worst road team in hockey. They had only two road wins coming into that game. And then the Panthers play really sloppy. They come back. They end up winning in overtime. But... That's not how that game should have gone. We talked about Anaheim. Buffalo, second of a back-to-back. They played four straight games against the second team on the back end of a back-to-back who had just played the Lightning the light before. Very difficult to play the Lightning and then go play the Panthers. In that Buffalo game, the Sabres were out of gas. You could see it. And yet the Panthers were spending the entire of that game chasing because the first goal was stupid, gave up a second power play goal, and then they chased the game. Now, it's better to play desperate hockey at the end, and they did, and they won it in overtime. But, again, that game shouldn't be like that if the Panthers are a good team. And then Tampa, we just talked about it. That's where these problems come in. This is where all of these decisions are being made. And it's just, you're watching it like, I'm watching it every single night going, I've seen this before. These are the same mistakes. And in that Panther Parkway article, it made a very good point about going into the dressing room, which we aren't there, and we don't watch the post-game interviews, and we're not, and TV doesn't really show you this, but it looks like all the Panthers, after some of these losses, looks like somebody just killed their dog. It's like they know what they're doing wrong, but they have no idea how to fix it. 
you know? And to me, it looks like a team that's deflated. It looks like a team that feels like they're going to screw up. And if you feel like you're going to screw up, you're going to screw up. It's a team that's mentally fragile. And, and I think George or Aaron wrote a piece about how the Panthers are using these psychological coaches, like sports psychologists, right? Well, it's fucking working wonders. It, it's not really working the way they hoped it would. If this team, if anything, is putting them in their, if anything, it's putting them in their heads too much. I mean, like, I understand like, where it's useful, but I mean, like this team seems like they play like they're afraid of losing all the time. And when you play like that, you lose all the time. It's like the, the minute they make a mistake, they are coached to play high event hockey up and down and take risks. But then they know either because of their history or because James Reimer's behind them, and we'll get to James Reimer, that they are scared to death to do something wrong. They make stupid plays. And then when they do something wrong, it goes in the back of the net. Whether they feel they're being wronged by the refs, whether it's bad luck or whatever, this is a team right now that plays like it's terrified. And it happens every single night. And if it's happening against bad teams, which it is, it's going to happen against the Bruins. It, the God, the, the Colorado top line is going to run rings around them. And then when the Leafs come here, forget it. That's where the Panthers are right now. They are a bad hockey team. They have potential, and things have not gone their way. Luongo being hurt has certainly not helped, but neither is Trocek being out, but he wasn't playing particularly great before he got hurt. But and it was done. It was over. It was over. Like, I saw George Richards in The Athletic. And by the way, the athletic coverage of the Panthers might as well be on FloridaPanthers.com. I don't see any difference. Um, is saying that due to the Trocheck and the Luongo injuries that they've started slow. <laughs> That's they like started when they, slow before it's like, injuries. Well, it was like that one year when Barkov got hurt in like December, like, you know, when, you know, it was the, 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 the bad year where all the bad things happened and they kept lumping in Barkov in the names of all the injuries at the beginning of the year. Like, Oh, this is why it happened. Well, remember, like, no. 16 it, it was Huberto was, was hurt. Bukestad was hurt. And they still fired a coach then. You know, right. like, this team Again, also, it, excuses is another slight issue that this team's had. They always find a reason to say, well, this is why it's not going well, instead of saying, well, what can we do to fix this? The you same know? players always get hurt, and they never have depth, and then they keep getting hurt, and they don't have a plan for when they get hurt. And it's like, oh, well, they got hurt, so it's over. Sorry. Well, you know, Better maybe, luck next time. Maybe use some of the offseason. I don't know. Well, here's the other thing about this that I really want to talk about. Barkov is doing Barkov things. He's great. He's amazing. He's going to win the Lady Bing. He won't win the. He he can't win the the, freaking Selkie because he's going to be on a terrible garbage team, right? Right. He'll win the Lady Bing because he's got no penalty minutes. Hoffman's been really good, but the Panthers. He's been. Good. He's been. Hoffman's been good. I think. He's been good. He's been better than I thought. I mean, power play obviously he's really good, but also he's better defensively. But he's also not a player that drives his own attack. You know. He 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 does it on that line, but I thought his best hockey came when he was driving a line on the third line. Yeah. I thought that's when his best 200-foot hockey came. I, I, I mean, there's, I have nothing wrong with Michael Michael Hoffman. Great. I'm glad we traded for him. team has that is not I, Yeah. I, just, I think that there's going to be – I'm just trying to keep everyone grounded because I don't want people pushing for him to be re-signed like July 1st because yeah. they – you know what I mean? Like, let's not I, I can see that. that, but that's a discussion for another time. Like, yeah. moving Evgeny Dadnoff to the second line at least makes that line better because he can drive play a bit more than Huberto could. And Huberto with Barkov is, again, 
something we've been wanting for a while. And now that it's happening, it's like, no, no crap, the top line's playing better. And Huberto's having some of his best hockey in recent times. But here's the thing. They're playing like that, and they're still not winning. So that tells you a lot about what's going on. I mean, they have five guys who score again. Yeah, it, it, the depth o- is a problem. The depth is O'Brien. A O'Brien said, "There's like these are the people who are scoring: Yandel, Barkov, Huberto, Dadnov, Hoffman. That's it. If if you're not one of those people, you're not scoring enough. You're not assisting enough. You're not you're not doing anything." Enough. And I think he's pretty right about that. He is absolutely right. The only other player that could get close is Aaron Eckblad. But even then, he waited like almost 15 games before scoring a goal. And I mean, the rest of the decor, forget it. Yeah. Forget it. And, I mean, look at the rest of the fours. I mean, there's like Bukestad and maybe Brower because he's got some empty nets. <laughs> like, gotten six you know what I mean? He's played yeah. a couple of good, decent games. He's not been as bad as I thought he would be. Yeah, I mean, Close had the four assist game, and he's done a lot of good things, but he's not scoring goals. You know, it's like Dryden Hunt's done good things, but he has no points. They don't because they have. They're Florida keeps saying we wouldn't have four lines that score, and then the coach keeps putting a lineup together where only one line's going to score. The other scoring line is going to struggle and not do shit. The third line's going to be meh, and the fourth line's going to be meh. And the fourth one is going to play for 10 minutes and then you won't see them again. Yeah, and it's like, you know, it's just getting so fucking old. It's the same thing. I mean, we could, we should be digging, we should dig up podcasts from a couple years ago and just, and just, just repost them and just see if anyone notices. Maybe. We we might not be talking about Michael Haley. We'll be talking about Sean Thornton instead. I, I don't even think people would notice possible i mean maybe maybe they're yelling about tom Rowe is also part of it but here's the here's the other thing that we need to talk about and let's get to goaltending because i think we, we need to and you were talking about this in the offseason and, and you were right and i'll give you that i didn't think james reimer was going to be this bad i thought he was going to be serviceable but not this terrible and let's be honest you you sent me a tweet from somebody i think it was nick alberger who said the panthers should just cut james reimer all of the nfl where you can just release somebody and be done with yeah him. just release him yeah just release we- him now here's the thing about that that was coming after one of james reimer's better games even though he gave up five that was <laughs> in front of him which is hilarious because i could give you a bunch of other games where he was letting in beach balls and i was like jeez the, the, that blackhawks game was bad but there were some I'm- others that were just awful this year and i think james reimer's a very good guy and I hate talking to I don't. people like this. I don't anymore. After those, I'm ta- Here's what I'll say. James Reimer is a great guy, except the 20 minutes he's talk- talking to people after a shitty game. Because he has that whole derpy, oh, shocks. Like, you know, the, you know exactly the face I'm talking about. That big, big frown on his face. And he's just like breathing through his teeth and just like, I don't know what happened. Oh, it's just like, it got away from us. And it's just like, oh man, I want, I've never wanted to punch a hockey player more. Get off the ice. You're so bad. And I called it. I called it just like I called half of this shit right off the bat. It's amazing. If they hired me, you, Y, Y, O'Brien, some of the people at Panther Parkway, even a guy or two off rat trick, you know, yeah, point to point. Just hired one of those guys, gave him free merch or something, and then just ran some ideas past them, just like ineffective massive. Someone just paid me fifty thousand dollars every year, or a hundred thousand dollars every year. I'll tell you, I'll tell you no on four things a year, and I'll be worth my money in gold. Like you know, you might be it's, it's waiting gold. 
The only thing I'm going to say about Reimer is, other than the fact that I didn't expect him to be this bad, and there have I've actually seen somebody trying to be a Reimer apologist, which, no, he's, he's been really bad. And some of the bad goaltending behind him is Hutchinson. But here's the thing. If you're worried about goaltending, and the Panthers clearly are, and they can't trade James Reimer because of uh, Tom Rowe, asterisks, parting gift, giving James Reimer that contract, which was bad idea. <laughs> Good in principle, bad in practice. Now, uh, bad in principle, bad in practice. Well, no, I understand why they wanted to get a goaltender to spell Luongo. They just picked the wrong one. Well, I mean, it's never good practice to give five years to a goalie. This so, is also unless unless that goaltender is John Gibson. Well, yeah, I mean, case. this is a this is a guy who was what twenty seven, twenty eight, never played a hasn't played a starter's role since his junior days before he was draft eligible, and you know, he was like, a starter for some really bad Leafs teams. He was well. He was a starter for one Leafs team, and it was in a lockout shortened season, so it wasn't it was a real P- starter. It was PDOing to death. Yeah. So I mean, like again, there was a hundred reasons why you would you could look at James Reimer and be like, it was a bad move. You like even goalies that you're a hundred percent sure of are going to make it are like seventy percent likely to suck. That's NHL goaltending. So you have to be a hundred. So compare start- that to Louis Domingue who let in right. some beach balls, but in the third period was great. And again, is super cheap, comes on one to two year deals and can go through waivers. I mean, like they spent a million, one, 1.3 million on Michael Hutchinson. You can't tell me that a budget team or a team that cries that like doesn't have enough money to do everything they need to do. Couldn't have spent 1.3 million better. And that's why I think talent needs to go too. I mean, yeah, it's not going to really do much because it's really an ownership issue. But, you know, like there's people just who aren't making smart decisions constantly. Well, at least talent has good decisions that he can say that he made. Which yeah, and, and I'm not getting rid of talent until we know. I mean, they probably already said we're not getting Coach Quenville, but Well, they can't. They don't have the money to. It's, well, it's 100% plainly obvious. Here's the thing. You got to talk to Chicago. Because well, guess what? Chicago can pay for it. I want to stop you one second. One second, Tommy. Here's what I want to say. Hold on. Hold on. Hold your horses. I'm going to have to rein you in just for a second. Here's the thing about the coaching that I want to say. When they were going after Gallant, they also wanted to hire Bilesma. And this was after the Penguins had fired him. And the NHL, I can't remember who reported this, and I'm sorry for forgetting, Bilesma was on something like $2.75 million a year, something to that effect. And what the Panthers wanted to do was pay a million of that. And the NHL said, no, 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 you can't do that. I believe that this has been reported. If it's not, or I'm getting the story wrong, please correct me. At Matt's one on Twitter. I'm trying to get all the facts right. But it's clear, they don't pay coaches a lot of money. So what Joe Quenville was on what, like $3.5 million or something like that? The only coach that probably made more is Babcock. And I saw somebody tweet out coaching salaries, and it's why I remember what Bugner makes. So with that said, the Panthers, in order to get to what Bugner is making, would have had to ask the Blackhawks to pay $2.5 million of that, which the Blackhawks would have said, no, 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 you're not doing that. They would have maybe paid a million of it. The Panthers can't pay $2.5 million for a coach after buying out Bugner and his assistants. So there was Everything's negotiable. Everything's negotiable. Everything's negotiable. I don't give a shit. Like, here's the thing. It's their job to go hire these coaches. They have to go hire an experienced coach that can show some leadership, put these put this team under his wings, and 
put the good strategies in place, know how to use the bench, know how to bench people, know which people to bench. Why is Bogdan Kisovic not playing? It's that was a good. fucking waste of a signing, huh? We could have actually go gotten a defenseman or play McDonald or something, right? Like, he's – Bogdan's good. This is ridiculous. I, I like, don't understand. Go get the coaches. And if you can't afford $6 million out of pocket, be creative. Go make $6 million. Don't buy that stupid company. Stop putting shit in Kentucky Derby horses. Stop with a shitty airline, right? Make that six million somewhere. Or you go to Chicago and say, "How how about you pick up the you pick up the rest of that check, and we'll give you we'll trade your prospect too." Or you know maybe you say, "Hey Joel Quimble, what what if you did coach and assistant GM or and and GM?" Or something, and you you, you move town the, and you, that's two jobs. So then you can you can pay him two salaries, right? So you don't want to coach and GM at the same time. It's a bad idea. Um, first of all, that's what Coach Quenville is looking for. So you better be willing to give it um, if you hire him. And two, uh, we just did a whole podcast on why hockey last week on why we think it's actually a good idea and why it needs to be done more. I uh, I, I will disagree there. I don't think it's a good idea. But. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't want the guy who has to – like, okay, why did Daniel Sprung get traded? Pittsburgh didn't want to trade him, but the coach wouldn't play him. And they got a defenseman who maybe they all play. So if the coach is doing more on the call-ups, is, has more roster control, you're going to have less of these issues of the GM is putting somebody on a roster that's not going to play and, you know, things like that. But it's not my job to come up with these creative solutions so Vincent Viola can make good on his promise of bringing a winner to South Florida and giving a shit and doing it. Like, I, I, don't, I don't care how many times he cuts a $25,000 check to charity that he writes off on taxes, and it's probably better for him than spending $25,000 on business expenses. Like, I, I don't care anymore. I don't care how many military people he fillets. I don't care. I want a hockey team on the ice that isn't utter garbage. That isn't the laughing stock of the league. I'm tired of hearing from people all around the league about how my team doesn't have enough money to fire the coach and make changes that every other team, including Arizona, who's on sale, has enough money to, to do. The Coyotes like, have made trades. Right. And they, they, they traded two prospects to take on somebody who's making millions of dollars right now. So I, it's, I, I don't understand what the issue is in Florida, except the issue is they do not want to win. The issue is they know that they have a fan base that doesn't give enough shit, that is not big enough. Um, you know, it's better for them to lose money. This is better for them to lose. They don't care. Uh, and I'm going to end this with something I didn't think I'd be doing this year because I didn't think the Panthers were going to suck. I'm going to give you the first group of people for the 2019 NHL Draft Why Hockey Prospect List. Oh, hey! Because guess what? We're fucking terrible again. Philadelphia's terrible, Florida's terrible, and here we are. We're sorry to your kids if you're listening to this podcast and you heard some less than stellar language. This is what the Florida Panthers do to people. We're a parental advisory on that. Well, there will be a parental advisory sticker on this one, so do not listen to this with kids involved, but most of you, I don't think you have kids, and if you do, you wouldn't be paying attention to the Florida Panthers anyway. Uh, And if you do have kids, I hope they don't watch the game with you because you might throw something at them. Well, I hope you don't indoctrinate them this young. That's that's child abuse. Um, Okay, well, the first first two at the top of the charts, it's going to have a Taylor versus Tyler 
ring to this draft. Um, Jack Hughes. Fortunately, and... Apokako, the yep. finish winner. Um, unfortunately, it's not going to be a Taylor versus Tyler type thing because they're not both from North America. Or they're so, centers, which they're not. Right. But uh, I, a lot of people are going to say Jack Hughes is the number one um, going away. It's not going to change no matter what. But he's 5'10", 170 pounds. He should have went to college this year, decided not to, to stay in the USHL, play some pretty weak competition that he already broke you know, Austin Matthews, Patrick Kane, like he's broken so many records in that league. I ding him for that. It's probably uh-huh. kind of like Owen Tippett playing the second year in the OHL, which, yeah, well, he's scoring a lot of goals. He's playing in the OHL as a 20-year-old. Yeah, and it's kind of just like, like Casey, Casey Middlestat deciding to leave the USHL to go back to Minnesota High School. Obviously, he's done okay, but you don't know – you know, at the time, you're kind of wondering about I was super impressed with Middlestad on Friday, but that was one game in the second end of a back-to-back, right. so I'm not going to use that to judge him. But either way, your team, the Panthers or the Flyers, would be ha- would be thrilled to get Jack Hughes or Capo Caco. Um, I think Caco is going to be the, the number one pick in my eyes by the end of it. Uh, I think he's NHL ready. Um, he, he plays pretty much like a Rantanen type, but a much more bulldog um, version of it. Rantanen's a little more finesse, but uh, I think Kevin's... God, one pick, one pick in 2015. Right, that'd be... One pick. Because we know know. they would have picked in Rantanen if he was there. So, I mean, I guess if you're still upset about Rantanen like I am, I think about it every goddamn day. Um, This is is the guy we're looking through. (laughs) Uh, but there's also Vasily Podolskin, Kirby Doc uh, from Saskatoon. Um, those two probably round out what I would call the first tier at this moment. Those are the guys that I'm thinking, if you can get a top four pick this year, that's, that's probably where you want to be. just looking at you, LA Kings. So, I mean, I think Philadelphia and Florida kind of have to get – Florida's definitely getting to the point where they just got to start going for it. Going for a Hughes, going for a Kako or something. Because if money is the issue, this is the best way to get some help. Yeah. Um, after those top four, um, Dylan Cozens, Bowen Byram, Philip Roberg, Ryan Suzuki, and Tony Honka, Julie, Julius Honka's. So we have younger brothers of current NHL prospects slash players. Uh, yeah, the last two, Ryan Suzuki and Antonio uh, Honka. Mm-hmm. Then there's Tobias Bjornfot, the defenseman, Caden Korzak. We're getting, uh, we're getting into the we're getting into I was born after two thousand, so my name's weird. Yeah, I mean only one two thousand uh Honka in that in my in this whole group. And then the last one is Archer Kylov, who plays for Hamilton in the OHL. He's a real good goal scorer. Um and that's like twelve, top twelve right there. Um, we have to start thinking about it in December, December 3rd, because, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a little further, I'm behind where I usually am at this point in this year because I didn't start from the beginning of the year. Because um, you thought both the Flyers and Panthers were going to make the playoffs like I did. Well, I didn't think that they were going to make the playoffs. I thought that was going to be a tough year, but I, I thought that they wouldn't be so bad that I would be needing to think about who's the third or fourth best prospect in this draft. I thought I'd just be like, ah. You'd be working with Jeff Merrick and all those guys, or Chris Peters. 
and I I've tried pumping your tires. You you do really good draft analysis, and this is far beyond my A grade. Somehow, uh, I think you did really well, and you should be proud of that. If if my hockey teams were more exciting to watch, I'd probably watch their games more. And instead that kind of, of instead of dreaming about prospects, you know what? I I can tell you. I used to do that with the Mets, and then they traded all of them away for broken Robinson Cano. It's fun times. Fun times indeed. Well, I want to go over a couple couple more things about the Panthers before we before we end this, because I don't want to short sell you on some of the things that you wanted to hear. Uh, you wanted to talk about the power play, so it, it is scoring goals every game but one in the last 17, I think. What, what did you want to say about that? The power play is looking really good because Jonathan Huberto was put on PP1 again in the right spot, and they're running things through him more. It's also looking good because, well, until they put Yandel back on the first pairing, Yandel's five and five minutes were easier. They might have been somewhat around the same, but it was easier for him. Um, and he was focusing more on just delivering and executing on the power play, which is what he was brought in for. So they're finally using... They were finally, for a little bit, using Yandel how they should have in year one, which is nice. Um, and then two, for a little bit, they weren't just doing the drop pass shit. Um, now they've they, they've kind of been able to get around without it. But when the power play started to really do well, they were coming through the neutral zone more together and as a team with passing plays and instead of um kind of coming in waves and with the drop pass and just kind of the last everybody kind of waiting at the bull line for that last wave to come through um Mm -hmm. which i think has given them has drawn the other team further down into their zone and has made the penalty kill skate more which is good because it just tires them out i mean when you kind of do the waves that kind of are just standing still in the in the penalty kill and they don't have to move around as much because we see um, them now have like one minute 90 second power play shifts with the top unit now the second unit is completely garbage but the top unit is really good so yeah and once they're in the zone um they're they're looking around more they're not they're getting it a little lower they're having some more movement meaning the guys without the puck like, it's not just the guy with the puck skating to a guy without the puck and running a little drop-off play, which they did a little bit. Guys without the puck are cutting through the middle, just trying to get somebody to come with them and move out of position or be open and get a pass. They're they're looking to create and, and force the penalty kill into doing something bad rather than what they used to do, which was just pass it around the horn and wait till they could get a shot through without hitting shin pads. Um, I mean, some of that still happens, but it happens less because they find better positions yeah. now on the power play. And, and it's working. It's really working. It's the only good I, thing about the Panthers right now. When they're clicking on the power play, that's the type of puck movement, how quick they move the puck, how how quickly they headman the puck. Um, and they get into good habits. And that's when their play, I think, looks the closest to playoff ready um, is when their power play is going. Yeah, it I, looks it looks right, and then you see the second power play unit, and then you go, oh, right, that exists. Yeah, yeah, that's that's sad. Penalty kill is not as bad as it was, but it's still not great. 
could serve to be a lot better, but some of penalty kills a, a defensive issue. That, that's um, more on Capuano than it is. I think Farland coaches the power play. And he at least has ideas and uses them. I don't. I don't like how they they run the um, the weak side D on the penalty kill. I think they um, get puck watching and, and stationary a little too much. I'd like to see them be a little more active from the weak side on on the penalty kill and stop being so active with the Derek McKenzie number one up, up top, which they got away from in the beginning of the year. Now, since they've been doing bad, they kind of, I guess, out of desperation has have gone back to that kind of check. Scored handed goals all the time. Yeah. And haven't scored yeah. So yeah, well, it's tough. I, I, I want to see better defensive. Like, I don't, I, I hate that they, they have a good nugget. Like this is the Panthers. They have a good nugget. They want to have the defense involved in the offense. But they don't know what to do with it. There's a disconnect in how to make that happen. They have they, ideas, but they don't know how to execute those ideas. And that oh, is a hundred. Once said, "A goal without a plan is a wish." That's the Florida Panthers. And and I think that's kind of where the people in suits are at. And I don't see it changing. I don't see it changing. I don't see anything happening until, you know, somebody gets crazy hurt. Somebody's agent makes a really demanding request I mean, or like here's you know. here's what i was thinking like i was wondering like how bad would it have to get for a change to be made with all these other teams four of them that made coaching changes chicago did edmonton did st louis did and the flyers did all of them were playing to a level of terrible where they felt like a change was necessary either from the gm's perspective to save his job edmonton or the flyers changing their gm because something was really broken Something's broken in Florida. It's blatantly obvious, and I bet the Panthers players could tell you something's broken. But either they don't know what's broken, which is not true because they clearly do know what's broken, or they don't know how to fix it, or they can't fix it for extenuating circumstances. And this, again, it all comes back to the same issues with the Panthers. It's, 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 it's ownership. It's all these things. And you like to think that they're doing good things and they're making progress, and in some ways they are. And then in other ways you watch this and you're just like, Really? And people are, and people on, I mean, Panthers Twitter is not indicative really of reality. Twitter is never indicative of reality. But you see this and you go, guys, like, really? We at least expected you to be better this year. And now you're getting lapped by the Sabres. You know, it's like, really? Come on. It's like, how is this continuing to happen over and over again? And that's why I think people are just sick and tired of it and throwing their hands up and saying, we can't do anymore. Like, I just can't do more of this. I was reading tweets and people are being like, I can't do this anymore. Like, again, garden variety bad is different. And, you know, than then extenuating circumstances crazy bad like a couple of years ago where you had to pay attention because it was a train wreck that was on fire. This year, it's just a normal train wreck. It's like once you see a bunch of train wrecks, you're like, oh, well, I've seen that before. You know, and then you have to see the train wreck on fire with somebody pouring gas on it to get you to notice and that's what's happening right now with the Panthers and I don't know what has to happen for the Panthers to make a change and everybody's asking that and as I said I think a lot of the reasons why there is security right there is because they have some issues with finances and they can't quite put in what they want to put in to fire these coaches but even then the two things they could do to make changes right now that would instantly solve a lot of problems calling up Hendrik Borgstrom, calling up Sam Mottenbow, and there is absolutely zero reason right now why neither of those two things shouldn't have already happened. I don't care how Borgstrom's not had greater games right now in Springfield. He's better at second-line center, which is what the Panthers want him to be, than Jared McCann or Nick Bukestad. And I don't really think 
that they are going to continue to be able to complain about goaltending and then say, ooh, look, Sam Montembeau is playing really well in Springfield, but we're not going to call him up because of development. Like, maybe Montembeau is answering the question, like, he can be the future of the goaltending position. But we're never going to know it because they're never going to call him up and give him the chance. They're just going to play James Reimer every game because they're too scared to play Michael Hutchinson. They can't trade Reimer because his contract is bad and it's got a bonus they can't pay or no team wants to pay. Call them up. Take a risk. What At this point, you're already bad enough to the point where most fans are starting to think about whether they're getting Jack Hughes or not. This is a decision that you've got to take a risk. And if you can't take a risk in firing somebody, make a call up and do something that at least would show the fans, we're going to try something. We're going to give you an idea, and we're going to give you an inkling, like maybe this works. Because I don't understand at this point how Henrik Borgstrom and Sam Montembeau being called up wouldn't make this better, or at least make it interesting. Like, to the fans who aren't going to watch, if you heard Henrik Borgstrom was playing, you'd want to watch that. If you heard Sam Montembeau was starting, you'd want to watch that, because you want to see what would happen. Nobody wants to watch the Panthers lose to a bad team 3-0 overtime and get skated rings around them again and lose 5-1 to a good team because they can't get the puck out of the zone and James Reimer can't stop a beach ball. Reimer, Pissick, Petrovic. Well, the good news is Petrovic is probably still going to be out at some point. <laughs> really? Because we've been hearing that for three years. I mean, it's the same. It's like the Hexall thing. Like, we've been hearing the same move. Town's going to be making this move eventually. But it's like year three. And it's like, how many more years does he get how many more years does like before it actually happens something up here very shortly and i want to have george richards on this podcast at some point and we will definitely make that happen uh but i want to log in now to the athletic and i want to read the piece he wrote about um potential trade chips if the panthers are bad which they oh are. god that was so big when you were pulling it up can i say something he wrote that like he was not allowed to say one reason why the florida panthers were allowed to trade anybody everything was a forced compliment everybody who could have been traded should not be traded um and there was basically it was it was mealy mouth it was people noticed that florida panthers were a team on the athletic that wasn't featured in that series and then they were asking about it, including myself and then three days later they rolled that out Mm-hmm. Uh, because people were like, what, the Panthers won't let you post this or something? And that's what they ended up doing. I want, which, to talk, you know... I want to talk one thing about that with the Panthers organization, and it is very clear that this is happening. And we know that people from the Panthers follow us on Twitter. They certainly follow me. I don't know if they follow you. And some of them might listen to this podcast. And here's what I want to say to them. As a journalist, as a broadcaster, and as somebody who knows what the other side is thinking and i get what you are i get what you're thinking you cannot be this protective and sensitive about everything that's said about you i understand that there was a time in the past in which you said everything under the sun and it cost you dearly because you didn't control it i was a sarcastic a-hole in high school i didn't really know how to use this newfound love of sarcasm and jokes to channel that into a specific fashion that would make it more amenable to other people. I didn't know where to time it. You know what I mean? The Panthers do not know at this point how they want a team to be covered. They want loving, glowing praise. But sometimes you can't have loving, glowing praise all the time because the Panthers are, in effect, a bad team that everyone knows is bad, but they won't admit they're bad for reasons that we don't really know. And the coverage of it has to be, this is a bad team. What can you do to fix a bad team? Or what is going to happen to the bad team because it can't stay bad like this? You know, 
These are all of the things that happens. And George, I understand why he has done what he has done in many ways. Because George has to maintain a certain level of connections. And this is what happens with journalists at times. You know what I mean? I have a question. Hold on. This is what happens with journalists. Sometimes you have to do that to maintain connections and you have to understand who you're working with because you're not going to be able to change what people do sometimes. I understand that. But then there's the point where it's like, okay, people are cutting through this and seeing what's happening. The Sun Sentinel does not have a full-time Panthers beat writer. The Herald, I don't think, has ever mentioned the Florida Panthers in anything they do. So that should tell you, it's, in many ways, it's because the Panthers are garbage, but it's also because there's no real way to cover an organization that doesn't really want to be covered properly. Like, this is the thing. The Panthers are not in a market where it's all in their face. It's not like Philadelphia. It's not like Toronto. It's not even like New York. You know, in many ways, the Panthers just don't want to be covered like that team. And here's the problem. People know when your team is bad, and there's a lot of stuff that they don't buy. And right now, I don't think many people are buying what the Panthers are selling. And the problem is, like, where do they go for this kind of coverage? They go to us, they go to point to point, and they go to the rat trick. And we've both written stuff there. You know what I mean? We, we want this team to be better. We say what we say because this team has so much potential that it squanders all the time. And some of it is just shooting yourself in the foot over and over again. And we want this team to figure it out. And other than blatantly spelling it out for you or having to sit there and watch a Panthers game with 9,000 people in the building because nobody wants to watch this anymore. Nobody wants to deal with this anymore. We don't know what else to do. At some point, it's like, we, you're frustrated. I'm frustrated. I love podcasting. But at some point, it's like, I don't want to sit here saying the same thing over and over again because it's getting boring. You know, because it's like, I feel like by the next time we do this podcast in a couple of weeks, the next podcast is going to be basically, here's the 2019 Y Hockey Draft preview. Yeah. Or here is, here is us talking about why the Sabres are good. Or here is us talking about how the Lightning are great. And how the Panthers want to be the Lightning, but they're more like the Lightning under that fraudster Japanese guy or the guys who hired Barry Melrose as opposed to Jeff Vinnick. Because the Panthers are openly flapping their tongue at the Lightning saying, we want to be that. But they have no idea how to be that. So they end up being a really low-rent, terrible version of that. And it's just, it's sad. It's really sad and defeating when you have to sit there and watch it over and over again. It's like, it's, again, it's like watching, I'm a Mets fan. It's like watching the Mets continue to do the same stupid thing over and over again. Everybody yelling and screaming. But this is the difference with the Mets. They're in New York, so the microscope's always on them. The Florida Panthers do not have the fan base and the level of cachet in the market because they made the playoffs two times since the Clinton administration and were eliminated then because nobody cares about them in the same way because they're always bad and they do things that make it so you don't want to care. And that's the shame of it all. And it's like Alexander Barkov's one of the best players in the league and his talents are being wasted because of this crap and he doesn't deserve that. Jonathan Huberto is one of the best young players in the league, one of the best players no one knows about, and he's being wasted. Evgeny Dadnoff is a great player in this league, and he's being wasted. Aaron Eckblad was a number one overall pick. In many ways, it's being wasted. And, Roberto and his Luongo, development's already stunted. <laughs> true. Roberto Luongo, one of the greatest goaltenders to ever play this game, somebody who deeply loves South Florida, 
wanted only to play for the Florida Panthers and would do anything for the community and did some most amazing stuff after what happened in Parkland, which was beautiful and touching and showed you how much that man cares. He's not getting the chances that he deserves because people around him are screwing up. He can't possibly do more than he's done. You know, he was going to retire last year and then he didn't. This is what I really feel bad for. And that's who, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you're going to do it, do it for these guys. Do it for those people who have been here and done that and worked their tails off, but get let down along the way because of stupid decisions, whether it be coming from management, whether it be coming from ownership, whether it be the team not wanting to be covered properly. These are all things that absolutely have to change. And at some point, I don't know what's going to change it. Like, is it going to be no one showing up? No one shows up now and nothing's changed. Is it going to be, I don't know, an expansion check clearing? Hopefully that does something because they're going to get 20 million into their coffers pretty soon because of Seattle, right? Is it going to be, I mean, they complained also about the TV deal. Like, here's the other thing. You remember reading stuff about the TV deal, right? And how it's terrible and I was all front load and blah, 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 blah. And that wasn't the ownership doing this. Our ownership didn't do that. But I looked up what the TV deal was. And this was a Forbes article from five years ago. It was 10 years, $115 million. Now, I don't know how it was front loaded, but they complain. They always say, woe is me. But at some point, people are like, well, isn't it you? Like, you can't keep crying foul and can't keep crying poor when you do things that put yourself in that position. Sympathy runs out. And I think for a lot of people with the Florida Panthers, sympathies run out. They've done a lot of good things, but they've compounded it with bad decisions that continue to make over and over again. And at a point, it's like, what do we have to say that's different for this to change? And I hope people in this organization listen because they're people who really do care. People who want to cover this team and cover its players like it should be covered. And they can't because this team has just done so many things where it's like, what, what else can we say? You know, I'm a writer. I get, I try to pitch ideas and you try to pitch ideas, right? And at a point we're like, we can't write the same thing over and over again. You know, we don't want to do that. Like you, your piece on the rat trick was fantastic on here are things that they could do. And all of them, again, seem inherently reasonable. Nothing wrong with any of those decisions. But at a point, it's like, well, what, when can we start saying, other than writing 2019 draft previews, can we say, well, this is different. Call up Henrik Borgstrom. We'd like to analyze what he's doing. What are his skills? How is he working in with this team? What's his development? Sam Mottenbaugh, we've been complaining that the Panthers don't have a goaltender in the future forever. We want to see him play. We want to see whether he can actually be the guy. Because I'm guaranteeing you that Sam Mottenbaugh, even in this first NHL game, is not going to be worse than what James Reimer has done in his worst this year, or Michael Hutchinson. These are all things that can be done, and for whatever reason, they're not doing it, and the excuses are not working, and most people have decided that they're not buying it anymore and that their sympathies run out. And at a point, they have to realize, we got to do something, or otherwise we could severely damage what little goodwill we have left. You had some goodwill ending last year the way you did and missing the playoffs by a point. You had some goodwill with some of the moves you made and the fact that a lot of people liked your draft and a lot of people said, this team's going to be good this year. Well, what are you going to do to get it back? Because at this point, I don't think many people have it anymore. Because even if Twitter is not necessarily representative of reality, I am reading Twitter. I am reading what the few Panthers fans that are on there are saying. And most of them are really, really pissed. And here's the thing. We know you look, we know you care, we know you're really sensitive to what people are saying about you. And if you are, you aren't going to get angry that people are saying bad things about you. You aren't going to get angry 
that things are going against you because of fate or because of things that happened before that they can't control, you go out and you fix them. You don't go, woe is me. I don't, I mean, I complain a lot that I don't have a job, but I try to at least go out and get one and give myself a chance to get a job instead of complaining about it for every day that I've had no job in the sports broadcasting business for 30 months. You got to do something. So my, my plea to the Florida Panthers is do something. Like, like, what point do we have to keep sitting here and just saying, do something? At least when you do something, you've given yourself a chance, even if it's necessarily the wrong decision. You know, when they hired all who they hired in 2016, they did something. It failed spectacularly, and hindsight says they shouldn't have done it, but that's at least in many ways better than not doing anything. And right now, the Panthers seem content with not doing anything, and they're rotting on the vine because of it, and they're wasting precious years precious assets and valuable energy that people want to spend on this organization. If they made the playoffs, people would show up and would care and you'd get all the things you wanted and you'd get the glowing accolades and you'd get people coming down and say, looking how great this is. That's not what's happening now because you've made the same mistakes over and over again. And the people who are telling you, look, you've made the same mistakes. Why are you still doing this? You know, at one point it's like, if you keep telling a child don't do something and he keeps doing it and then he says if you're going to hold the whim of authority over somebody if you're going to say it's going to be different and it's never different what else could people say other than thanks come back to me when you've actually done something and i think that's where most people are it's where you are i mean i've already paid my money for nhl tv so i'm basically obligated to keep doing this for until until it does change until I don't have the money to pay for it anymore and I'm getting to that point where I don't have the money to pay for it anymore and I think most people are starting to say the same thing we just don't want to keep doing this and spending our time and energy on the team that does the same thing wrong over and over again and always says it's not us when it is you it's always something you have to look into yourself and always say what can I do better what can we do better and the Florida Panthers have always said, this has gone wrong, this has gone wrong, and we haven't, when it's all going to come together, well, it never all comes together in hockey. There's always something that goes wrong, whether it's an injury, whether it's a, a situation with a contract, whether it's somebody not playing well, or you made the wrong decision. Because in the end, hiring a coach and drafting players is all lottery tickets. There is no science to it. You can apply as much logic and thought into it as you can, but in the end, you're taking a risk. And right now, after the Panthers seemed like a gung-ho organization that was going to do everything they possibly could, now they seem risk-averse. The opposite of what you were before is not necessarily any better. You have to find the right balance. The Panthers have never found the right balance. And so now all we're left with is watching Thomas Vokun go out there being honored on Legacy Saturdays and Jamison Cooper going out there and tweeting, I remember when they sponsored saves. Was that a Tommy Krulikowski rant? Does that count? Yeah, that was that was really good. I mean, I would just add that I'm waiting for the athletic and George Richards to do something too, and I don't understand what connections he's worried about losing because he's been here forever, and I think he's more just trained to accept yes and not get the newspaper on the nose. I don't think so. To, I don't think that's his. I think it's a hundred. I think I think it's a hundred percent because he's part of the athletic. The athletic should be backing him up. He shouldn't be worried about getting his press pass revoked or getting shut out and what information is Florida giving him that he can use for his job anyway? None. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, it, they're giving them anything or, or there's going to be something well, that's going to happen. That they're you give cover the Panthers that they did give information to that. No, does not cover the Panthers. You know, I just, 
I just think that it's it's like high what time for when the most critical George coverage Richards, of the Panthers comes from us. It, it's it's high time for George Richards and the Athletic to just try something different and say maybe we do put a little bit of a slant on this. Maybe we do paint it with a little bit of critique and we give an opinion. It's not just doing Jameson's job of this is what happened during the game and this is what was said. Because right now, George Richards is a stenographer and he gets paid to copy and paste. It sucks. Because there's a lot of people who would kill to have an athletic job and I'm sure George would kill to be able to do something different and actually write critique and, and write what he sees and some says. that is on him. And some but, you know, Panthers, though. It, it, it's, it, I think it's ultimately on him and the athletic because they, the athletic is this big beast that has a lot of digital currency and cachet. And, Especially in you know, sports, in hockey. I mean, the, I've read some of what the athletic has done with other sports, and I like it. And the Jaguars beat writer, for instance, is somebody who I knew of when he wrote at the Diamondback at Maryland. And he's done some good things. But the Athletic got to where it was because of their hockey coverage and people saying we want different hockey coverage. And with the Panthers, we get not much of that. We've gotten a couple of decent, interesting profiles. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe the Panthers were subsidizing the Athletics Florida writers. I would not be surprised if that's happening, too. Because so, you see what happens with the Sun Sentinel, and you see what happens with the Herald, and they just said, we don't want to do this anymore. I mean, the Panthers had a great beat writer last year for the Sun Sentinel, and he's covering the stars, which were more interesting. It's, it's a shame. It really is a shame. And this is all preventable. All of it's preventable, and I, I wonder whether they at sometimes want to prevent it. And the way that things are going That's to the new question. It's not, are they able to prevent it? It's now getting to the point where fans... Not just cynical fans like me, but well-meaning, just regular fans are starting to say, like, do they even want to like change? Like, do, like, do they even care? Because this is an owner that went into horse racing and already has a Kentucky Derby winner, right? This is a guy who won a business. You have to win a this, business to be able to buy this, an NHL team. He, he's won on business a lot. I mean, this is a guy who could have been the second most powerful man in the American military if he wanted to be. But he didn't want it because he didn't want to sell some companies and stuff. Like This is what I mean. Like He clearly doesn't do anything he doesn't want to do, is never talking to anything. If Vincent Viola does it, it's because he wanted to do it all of his own will. So, you know, at at some point, it's got to be... He 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 doesn't clearly want it because he's gone and got it in other areas. And it's not like, you know, this the NHL is so much harder than business or so much harder than the stock market or so much harder than horse racing and all this other stuff. So much harder than getting a president elected, you know? He's done all this other stuff. He can figure this out, right? Well, the one thing about sports is the microscope's on you. When you're doing not in Florida, well, maybe he picked the only organization in sports where there is no microscope. I bet, I bet you, I bet you, the last three months, the SEC has been talking to Vincent Bell more than any hockey media has. You know what? Certainly seems plausible, and that's a. I mean, it's it's just there's like, you. I understand. Like you're trying, like. A lot of people are just trying to find the benefit of the doubt or play devil's advocate, but it's getting harder and harder and harder when it's just becoming 
the, the veil is getting ripped and ripped and ripped and it was already thin to begin with. It, it, uh, is, it is becoming a question. And, and you know what? I think he has to come out and do something at some wait, point. I think he has to come out and say something. Weren't we, like, I, I'm still waiting for this new direction, this third direction, because it was Talon and then it was the Computer Boys and then they got together and they took the best of both worlds and they said, we're going to go into this third new direction together. And, and it's like, huh, it seems like it's kind of just the same direction. It so seems uh, like mush. Yeah. All right. I, 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 I got nothing more to say. I don't know if it's, but well, we will, we will, I, I hope George will still come on after all the things you, you just said about him. I mean, I'll say, I mean, it's I nothing well, against again, him. I, I try to, I try to pride I, myself there's on There's things, uh, there's things I don't know from New Hampshire. I mean, maybe he's. I mean, like, maybe the Athletic has told him not to do this. Maybe he's gone to the Athletic. I mean, I'll, I'll finish this out just so the fans can hear them. I'll play devil's advocate, and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that, you know, maybe he's gone to the Athletic and said, I want to write this piece. And they said, don't do it because the Panthers will freak out. Do, yeah, or they'll do this, and we don't want to deal with it. Sure. But, you know, at some point, George Richards has been a staple of this community for so long and is one of the only voices of reason that fans will listen to and that the team maybe even listens to that like, you know, it's not on him. It's not incumbent on him to do anything, but if he wanted to change, help change things, he could because he has that kind of voice and he needs to understand that there, the fan base would stick up for him. Uh, like, they you know, did the last time he picked a fight right. with the president of the team. Right. So, I mean, like, that's I, I, that's what I hope he'd understand. He's feeling that way, that, you know, we're pushing him to do it because we want him to do it. We want him to be that voice. We want to back him up because there what needs to be. is there? Because at some point they're not listening to us. Because it's not Sports Illustrated. Sports Illustrated is in Drance's pocket. Like, it's not it's not ESPN. ESPN goes along with what Drance wants. It's not Sportsnet. It's not, you know, like, it's fan-sided and Bleacher Report and all this stuff like Drance is a very effective at what he's done. He's been a great hire. He's he he really if does. His job is to control the narrative. Thomas Drance has very much controlled and, the narrative. And I really like Thomas Drance. I, I've met I him, him before, and I've met him twice, and we've only talked about non-hockey stuff, and just like you know, hang out. And I'm sure he doesn't even remember meeting me, and that's fine. But you know, he he's, follows he's me a, on Twitter, and he's, he's a good person. So, but. You know, like we said, there's a lot of good people on this team. There's a lot of good people around this sport that have not won and do not have what it takes to win, do not have what it takes to make good hockey or good hockey business decisions. And I feel like there's too many of them that get cash checks from the Florida Panthers, whether they've been fired or traded or whatever, or they're still in the organization and they're still working. They're still getting checks signed by this org, oh, and they can't. One person that they, and then one of the people that they did fire, or three of the people that they fired, are all having some a good amount of success somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, there's there was a ring ceremony a little bit ago mm -hmm. with one of those players, with one of those people. So yeah, there might have been. Might have been. Perhaps. Championship. I think somebody didn't someone take the Calder Cup back to Fort Lauderdale or something like that. Not sure. I think that might have happened. Hmm. Something to think about. Well, you know, I, the last thing is just be like me. I mean, I, I guess that's the best a thing. A cynical like jerk? Me. No, but I mean, it's not being a jerk. It's just like not having time to suffer fools. I don't need to, I don't need time. I don't have to spend my time trying to convince 
a Kool-Aid drinking person who watch it, who doesn't watch hockey, goes to hockey games and just like hangs out with people and, and goes to Club Lexus for the shrimp and all stuff, but can't tell you what a left-wing lock is or can't tell you why this happened on the ice or whatever. And I'm not talking about like X's and O's and like real hockey stuff. I'm just talking about like, hey, why did the whistle get blown by? Oh, because that was uh, that was icing. I was I was watching the game, paying attention. That was icing, <laughs> you know. Because there's a lot of people who d- definitely don't watch, don't pay attention, go to the games. They say the nice things, they get the free tickets and everything. That I don't have time to suffer them. If someone doesn't, if someone thinks that I'm talking down to them, whatever, it, fine, whatever. I don't care. And that's I think Florida Panthers fans have to get over the like stop being so polite, stop caring about the the politeness and and being respectful or whatever and just say your point why does the team stop what do you want to get here's the thing that i want to say if you're going to have a point as long as you have evidence and you can back it up if i disagree with it it's fine but if you have a point back it up if you've got a point say it there's nothing wrong with that hockey is not black or white there's a lot going on here we think the panthers are being run poorly if you have evidence to suggest that they're being run well please bring it to me because i'd love to say it it's going to be an amazing discussion. But, again, this is not, again, black or white. I could tell you a bunch of different things that I would do, but I'd probably be terrible at running the Panthers. I could sit here as a fan and tell you all these things, or not even as a fan, as somebody who wants to cover this team and cares about this team and knows that there is a void in the hockey world that this team is not being covered, so I want to cover it, and so we watch it, and we end up... Here's the other thing I want to say. <laughs> The fans are the most critical people in the world. And every time you talk about being a homer, I've always hated that because I'm like, the homers, the fans are the ones who go in hardest and they're saying the nastiest stuff when the team is bad. You know what I mean? Like, it isn't the casual fans. The casual fans just leave. The casual fans don't care. The, the diehards and the people who really care are the ones who will say these things and hold people to it. You know what I mean? And I, I, there's just not enough of them in Florida because all of them were driven away because the team was so bad for so long. I mean, being a diehard in Florida means you're a diehard company man. You're a diehard Kool-Aid. You're diehard just, I'm rooting, I'm there to have fun. I'm there because there's a hockey team in South Florida. There's somebody who added me or something. I did a whole thing about how, you know, the ownership needs to step up and bring a winner, blah, blah, blah. And they said that the ownership is a success success because the team is still here. That's another thought about Florida. That that is just, you got to get out of your head. You got to get out of your head. If that is your mentality, this is not a podcast for you. You should not be following why hockey because it's just going to drive you nuts because we don't talk about it. Hockey isn't fun to me. I don't like hockey because, I mean, I like hockey because it's fun and it is fun to me in certain things. But like, It is fun when you watch it, the Leafs or the Lightning or the Sabres or the Knights. Ho- or the Hockey anybody. is like something I do. Like I I, I feel like I, I write because I feel like I need to write. I watch and play hockey because I feel like I need to. And I feel like it's part of me and part of that. And if you don't take it that way, and then that's fine. You there's no wrong way to, to enjoy hockey or be a fan. But like maybe maybe instead of saying that why hockey is being mean or being um, you know is talking down or doing something, maybe it's just like listen to something else or, or we don't want to bring you, you know. other points of view that you might not have right. thought of. And that's what everything is. And that's, right. the Panthers are not the Leafs. You don't get 10,000 different perspectives on the Leafs every single day. You might get two different perspectives on the Panthers. And we're trying to be one of them that says, you got you to gotta look at this a little bit differently. 
And you got to take advantage of the opportunities that you have to look at these things a little bit differently. And if you don't want to, that's fine. It's your choice. There's at a point where I'm like, I can't do any more than I've already done. And that is the point where I never want to reach that. And I follow hockey because I love this sport. I love the people that I've met in this sport. Without the Panthers, I don't meet Tommy. I don't do Y hockey. I don't meet some of these amazing people that I've met. And that's why I stay in it. And that's why I care about it so much. And that's why I invested in doing what I want to do because it was a great place to meet people and to talk about something that we share and this common joy and this irrational caring about something that is completely that you shouldn't really in theory care about and again i you know what teams i like i've said many times i watch a bunch of bad teams and i'm still sticking with it my most worn out joke is saying if i wasn't an alcoholic because the teams i like now i could be sober for the rest of my life because these teams are just so bad and they cause you so much emotional heartache and grief and pain and again i know a lot of people think like that and it's not saying that you have to think like us we just say, listen for a different opinion. Don't go to somewhere where you're going to be reinforcing what you hear already and what you think already. If you add in different, although, although if you if you, if you think what we think, definitely keep listening, or at well, least yeah, of course. I mean, if you just, well, if you if you do think that, you're already listening to this show anyway. So, but <laughs> but like, here's the other thing: if you have the ability to say a different thing, start a podcast. Right? Tell me what you think, and we can have a discussion, an intelligent discussion based on this. I'm not here to say your opinion's wrong. I'm only going to say I think you're wrong because X, Y, and Z, which I will back up. If you think that, you know, James Reimer is playing well, if you come over with evidence, I will say, okay, here's why I think he's playing badly, and here's why I disagree with you vehemently, but at least at that point, you have your evidence. You know what I mean? Saying that the Panthers are doing a good job because they haven't moved yet, it's not a good thing. Like, the Panthers aren't moving anywhere because Gary Bettman will go to the ends of the earth and back to make sure they don't move because he's done that with the Coyotes. The Panthers staying here is not a modicum of success. The modicum of success is actually being successful on the ice and in the building. And that is what Panthers fans should be striving for, not just, oh, they're staying in the market or, oh, woe is me, they suck, so they're moving. They're stripping down, so they move. I've, I've dealt with. I've watched a few home games. I'm not sure they haven't moved. <laughs> Because I haven't seen him there. This is true. So, just. And on that right. note, yeah, we're hitting. Did we're you want to hear about now. Daniel Sprong more? Sorry. No. Uh, what about? I mean, did he get traded to Florida yet? No, no, he got traded to the to the Ducks. I like that yeah. trade though. Anaheim's got a lot of interesting players, even though they play a crap style. I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, Anaheim's general manager has to be top five in the NHL. Definitely with the amount of euros he he drafts. How good he drafts the 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 fact that he's one of the few people who understands NHL defense and the NHL, uh, in through different eras, by the way, oh, and just I mean, like yes, he still has Randy Carlisle as his head coach, and Carlisle is bad, but he also yeah. will probably replace him with Dallas Eakins. Yeah, who was Merrick's pick for Florida's job? Which you know, if they went with that direction, imagine where they'd be. Yeah, or if they had picked Phil Housley. Well, imagine if Jim, if they didn't scare off Montgomery. Montgomery, yeah. I mean, the because stars they scared aren't him off. He, yeah, but I mean, the coach isn't, isn't terribly the issue. I don't think. Well, not not there, not as much. I mean, well, I mean, I sure. guess. The, I mean, I guess it could be worse. Oh, no, wait, no. The Senators have more points than the Panthers. Could be worse. It could be the. Oh, they have more points than the Panthers. Could be the Kings. Wait, oh. Yo, Gene Segura, welcome to Philadelphia. Uh-oh, really? Heck yeah. 
Oh, so now the, now the Phillies fans, I know, and now we really have to end this podcast because the Phillies are making smart trades. The Mets can't. So that's, that's for another show entirely. Phillies have acquired infielder Gene Segura, right-hand pitcher Juan Nicasio, and left-hand pitcher James Pazos from Seattle Mariners in exchange for infielders J.P. Crawford and Carlos Santana. Oh, so that's a salary dump. Oh, J.P. Crawford's good, though. Yeah, I mean, but, but I mean, it's I, I mean, like that point, they gave up less than the Mets gave up for for friggin' for friggin' broken Cano and Edwin Diaz, and I don't know what people have been saying, but Edwin Diaz has had one good year. I'll wait to see what he does in New York before I call him a great closer, because Yuri Familia had one great year as a Mets closer, and now he's bad. Gene Segura, Jimmy Rollins, light in his prime. Oh, I hated Jimmy Rollins, so let's not go there. Oh, I hated Chase Utley more. Uh, anyway, you know what I really loved? When Chase Utley put a spike through on that, loved it. And you know what I liked? The Phillies gagging in multiple playoff series and haven't been back since. Well, at least we were there. Uh, well, the Mets were there too. They also made the World Series in 2015. I mean, it was a complete fluke, but they made the World Series and it was great. 2009, though, we won. You know, you won to 2008 and lost to 2009. Whatever, same day. No, we didn't. Oh wait, was the Rays? Oh nine was the Yankees. Trust me, I remembered. I sl- I lived through it and hate, yeah. hate watched it. It's it's true. L- no, lots right. of things happen I, when you when, I, you, when the best I, thing I, you can do in sports is root can, against Philadelphia teams. Can you at least cut me slack that I'm not used to sports seasons ending at the beginning of an academic year and starting at the end? Oh. So it, well, I mean, you, you, because I'm trying to, I was thinking like, I was like, oh, well, I graduated high school in 09 and they, I went, and I was, I went to the Phillies parade in high school. So Tommy, I got to tell you something. I was a freshman in high school that year. Tommy, I'm going to tell you something. At least rooting for the Florida Panthers is somehow less frustrating than Maryland football. I'll give you that. <laughs> at least I the mean, Florida Panthers didn't let is, anyone die. <laughs> I mean, at this point. Anybody who, I mean, I, I don't want to be too harsh, but I don't understand why anyone's a fan of football, period. So, I, I mean, I just don't even consider that, like, a sport or, like, a. that's more just, like, the Roman Coliseum. Congratulations you know I mean? to Crystal Palace on their 2-0 win over Burnley, by the way. That's <laughs> the last one we'll get all year. They scored goals. Well, at uh, least you weren't uh, as angry watching the North London Derby as I was. So, there you go. As, actually, now, as, as we know, as we have now completely, hey, the U.S. men's national team hired a coach. We're talking about all of their sports things that could be an entirely different podcast, and we've already got two hours on this show. So hey, remember, maybe... remember when the, the the Tottenham Derby showed more signs of life than a Panthers home game? Uh, remember, remember when the Emirates was louder at its quietest than the BB&T? Se- oh wait, I gotta tell you though, I can't wait to see a concert at the BB&T because the other team's fans sound like nineteen thousand. The acoustics are great. I got I got to tell you, Billy Joel, Barry Manilow, must be off the charts there because no, they can they can the orchestra. Oh yeah, I mean if you're into that heavy stuff, I'm more into like you know the well, medium. By the way, did you want to know? Did you want to know? I was out in Hershey, Pennsylvania recently to do some some play by play right by uh, the Giant Center and Hershey Park Arena, which looks really cool by the way when you're looking at it. Really cool old little barn. That's where uh, Will Chamberlain dropped a hundred. Yeah, he did. It, it's. I got. I used to get dressed in that uh, changing room all the time. It's a Just cool to... little place out there in Hershey. Uh, yeah. You want to know what uh, the list of concerts that was taking place at the Giant Center after they had their teddy bear toss last night, which was really cool, by the way, Hershey Bears. Uh, I want to talk quickly about some of the concerts that there were. 
I believe one of them was Jewel. Love Jewel. Who will save my soul? Uh, nobody at this rate. Jewel's also bad, but that's okay. Uh, I'm trying to think who else was there. Oh, straight no chaser. That was the, the winner of the lot. Straight no chaser at the Giant Center. I'm too old. I don't even know who they are. Straight no... Look it up. It made me laugh hysterically. Straight are they new? Um, they're not new. They are not new. Oh, yeah, this podcast has gone so acapella, talking about straight no chaser. A professional acapella group which originated in 1996 at Indiana University. Do you know who does better acapella? Watch an episode of Where in the World is Carmen San Diego. You'll never need to hear acapella again in your life. The end. Wow, that is a 100% true statement. Yes, wow. Where in the World is Carmen San Diego, also one of my favorite game shows of all time. Fantastic and and one of the best window PC games of the Windows 96 era. Yes, it was. Where in Time in Carmen San Diego, however, was not as good. I also know somebody who was on the last episode of that show, of uh, Where in the World is Carmen San Diego. He didn't win, but he almost got a chance to go to Alaska and would have had PBS pay for it, which is a great thing that I, I've learned, and it's fantastic. Question. Do you remember the Nickelodeon show called Ghost Rider? ghost oh, it was called ghost hunter well no it was, it was not called ghost hunters it was called scaredy camp no 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 it was about it was the it was i think it was like disney or something it was like one of those black white like jackson pollock notebooks whatever and it would like and it was like alive and it would give them clues and it would help them solve like mysteries that sounds like, like, like scaredy camp which was a horrible horrible terrible show hosted by the daughter of the show of the you remember weakest link yes Hosted by the daughter of the host of Weakest Link. That was Scaredy Camp. That's on YouTube. You can watch that. I remember seeing it laughing hysterically because it's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. One of the stupidest things I've ever seen. I'll, I'll finish it off with Ryan Gosling is in both Are You Scared of the Dark and Goosebumps. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's pretty wait, interesting wait fact. He's also in something else, I believe. I mean, he's in a lot of things. Well, he but... is in a lot of that. He's in my dreams at night. He's in just like a lot of things. And I and and I am the one who is who is in the LGBT community. Well, I mean, I, I well, everyone technically it's an appreciation. Is, I, yeah, I mean that my view is it's everything's a, is fluid, and you just and, are. And that probably got a lot of people who like the Panthers to cut the podcast off if they haven't done it already. <laughs> Well, definitely the ones that flew in the team plane with a VP Pence, that's for sure. Uh, or the, okay. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we remind you to subscribe to Why Hockey on Podbean <laughs> and all of these places. Follow Why Hockey on Twitter at Matt's Music. iTunes, Google. I put it on Spotify if this was worthy of Spotify. But um, do you think I you spend... could get a Spotify playlist of Why Hockey Anger and somebody could auto tune it like they did with that? Uh, the what was the the guy in Alabama? What the hell was the name of that song that was popular for ten seconds once? Graduating high school. What was the name when, of that song? I don't remember. When I was graduating high school. Huh? It was the auto tune. Never mind. Sorry, long, long enough. Vitamin C graduation day. Awful, awful, heinous song that needs to be burned with fire. Destroy it. Hate it. Good riddance time of your life. Also, one of the worst songs ever written, even though I like Green Day. That is a statement I will stand behind till the day I die. I don't like. I didn't like Green Day from American Idiot onwards. Eh, they've had some good songs after American Idiot. They're okay. 
Their new album that we released two years ago was very good. I liked it. I wouldn't listen. Uh, you don't have to. I did. So anyway, in, in musical takes, you shouldn't care about for people who like <laughs> 90s rock. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> This has been the Why Hockey podcast that's been somewhat about William Nylander, somewhat about the Flyers, mostly about the Panthers, and then ended with a reference to Straight No Chaser. That's what the And I'm probably going to pipe in some weird music I've heard. Um, you should pipe in remixed versions of Spyro songs, because they just released the Spyro remake, and it was great. Oh, I'm halfway through the first world. I mean, I don't get to play as much as I want. I don't have money. When I get the check clearing from what I just did, I will have that game and I will buy it. And then you might not hear a Y Hockey podcast for a month as I beat Kingdom Hearts 3 in January. Okay. Well, definitely there's some good Spyro. There's some good video game music on on Spotify. I'm going to throw... I've got That's a, why I've it, always said that EDM is pretty boring because I heard Stuart Copeland do it better in 1998. Damn, Stuart Copeland. Oh, Stuart that's a good Copeland, the drummer of the police, but will be more famous for composing the music for Spyro because that's what the internet does. I was going to say, yeah. Um, yeah also, Ratchet and Clank. Be... Ratchet and Clank had some good orchestra. Oh, yeah, it did. Yes, did. Yes, did. I mean, yes, I'm sure absolutely. there's... I'm not a big video gamer, so there's like a ton of like real like Final Fantasy and like some real orchestral pieces and stuff that i wouldn't get into i mean i know we've tried to end this podcast seven times we haven't done it yet but i'm going to end it with this note and i'm it's embarrassing but i i quite like this story so in when i was in fifth grade we had a class play which everyone had to participate in it was terrible it was called lenapo if you look it up you might not find much about it but trust me it sticks in my memory because it was painful and i had massive stage fright when i was in elementary school and now I'm, a, now I'm a broadcaster and it doesn't phase me. But when I was younger, I was terrified of this. So I flat out refused to be a part of the play because I didn't want to. I didn't care. And I also had stage fright. So I decided to go music. And most of the music that I picked for this play was Final Fantasy X and X-2 music. It was great. Because no sure, one knew what it was, but I did. And I thought it was amazing. I'm sure it really matched the tone of the play and everything. It actually kind of did. It actually kind of <laughs> did. They used the boss music. We used other songs. It was crazy. But did you use the boss music only at the end of this play? Like no, the final I used act? it at points where it was thematically appropriate to recycle other music used by somebody else. And the best part is no one knows that this play existed. And I bought the soundtracks off of iTunes, so I technically used them legally. <laughs> There you go. And it doesn't matter because it happened 13 years ago and no one remembers it except me. If you listen to all of this podcast, please. I'm giving you a a medal. Tweet us, email us, or send us a video clip, audio clip of why, and we will will put it on the next next show. But seriously, like like Matt was saying, we we say a lot of stupid shit or whatever. If you disagree, basically or, only non sequiturs. Or now. if you're tired of us ranting, or if you're tired of us throwing non sequiturs, give us a non sequitur. Give us a rant. Give us a topic or whatever. Drop and, us a line at BBC Woodlane. No, wait, that's Top Gear. <laughs> yes. Uh, just throw, you know, give us an audio file. We will literally just stitch it into the podcast. You don't care. Audio editing is not as hard as you think it is, kids. Although sometimes we make it harder. Sometimes we make it harder when we have a two-hour podcast with bits we might need to cut out, but whatever. Literally, it's at 2.04 right now on my clock. I'm fun with that one because I can get back to work tonight. Ah, you suck. Anyway, 
talk to you soon and the why hockey podcast at least for now is now over until there's another straight no tracer reference in the outro good night good hockey <laughs>